sports fans. I am Danielle McCartan. McCartan before midnight. And I'll be talking all things New York sports with you right up until 2 a.m. on this Saturday night here in New York City. It's beautiful outside. Whatever you're doing at the moment, I appreciate you tuning into the show right now and throughout the rest of the night, whether that be on your car radio, streaming from WFN.com, your terrestrial radio, or on the free Odyssey app. And of course, we're here in the Big Apple. The Connor Green and I are coming to you live from the Carton and Roberts slash Mike Francesa studio here in lower Manhattan. And uh, on this Yankees Old Timers Day 2022, of course, naturally, I've got a New York Yankees Old Timer as a special guest for you tonight. Here are three clues that I dropped on my social media accounts at Coach MCCARTAN on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan. He is a first time Yankee Old Timer. I put three ring emojis and a hashtag RepBX and a hashtag LGM. Those on Twitter, you know, bring up the logos, which I love. Who is it? Did you just shout a guess out at your listening device? All right. Well, here's the answer. Three-time World Series champion, first-time old-timer, Shane Spencer will be with us at 1.20 a.m. to take a trip down Yankee memory lane during those dynasty years. Jeter, Rivera, Martinez, you know, all that. And the winning, right? Because that team, a lot of those teams are now being compared to the 2022 team. So um, <clears throat> Shane Spencer with us at 120. And, you know, well, 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 here we are, just, you know, mere hours before the trade deadline. You know, it's Tuesday, but I'm making this a little bit more dramatic than it is. But the New York Yankees hit a homer. With my number one target for them, Andrew Bendentendi. Thank you, Brian Cashman. You nailed this one. And because especially Benintendi joins the team for basically nothing. We'll talk about that in a second. And kudos to Brian Cashman. You got it done. You did the right thing. Benintendi makes this lineup better immediately. But the Yankees struck out on their pursuit of the number one pitcher on the market, Luis Castillo. Or did they? As you know, a deal went down, I guess, less than 24 hours ago, late last night. It sent Castillo to Seattle in exchange for four prospects. And allegedly, the odds for the Mariners were better than those for you or I to win last night's Mega Billions jackpot to, to land Castillo. They were 1-12. One, one of 12 teams that made a bid for Castillo. I, I had two numbers, by the way, in, in the Mega Billions drawing last night. I like to pick Yankee numbers, and that's... Don't take my strategy. But I hit on 13 and 45, by the way. Gallo, Cole. I didn't win any money, though. You only get... You get nothing if you get two, which is crazy. But anyway, so the names of the prospects that the Mariners sent to Cincinnati, to us, the names really are not that important, but their rankings are. The Mariners sent their number one prospect, their number three prospect, and their number five prospect, and an unranked one at the time of the trade. And so... Mark Feinstein reported that the Yankees were quote-unquote close 
So based on those rankings for Castillo, you'd need to give up your number one prospect, Anthony Volpe, your number three prospect, Jason Dominguez, your number five prospect, Ken Waldachuk, and then I guess take your pick of the last guy under number five, right? So for Brian Cashman, it was a no deal. And for me, it's still a no deal. And I'm not flip-flopping like some other hosts here on this station that have not done the research and are pretty much flying by the seat of their pants. Any deal from the beginning for me that involves Anthony Volpe, which in this case you would have to think that he's, he would be part of the package that, that the Reds wanted. But for me, this whole time, any deal that involved Anthony Volpe is a strict no-go. Totally off-limits for me if I'm the general manager of the Yankees. And that, again, from the outset, was my stance. And Isaiah Conifalefa, he's an average stopgap shortstop that the Yankees can utilize until he's ready to make the Major League Yankees. Which, according to MLB Pipeline, by the way, is next season, 2023. Whether that's April or September, nobody knows yet. But the year is next year, 2023. So in a way, in a way, considering the package that the Reds eventually ended up getting for Luis Castillo, I think it's a good thing that he's not with the Yankees, to be honest. You know me, I've done the research. We've been talking about it for weeks. And now that Luis Castillo is, in fact, off the market, well, then the question is, who then do the Yankees pivot to to target for their rotation, which is in dire need of help? Don't worry. I've got you. I've got a chart right here that I created earlier this afternoon. Uh, So this does not include, if any of these guys pitched tonight, it does not include that. Um, But in my chart here, I've crossed off Luis Castillo. Done. New team, Mariners. I've indicated that. However, I did look at guys like uh, Johnny Cueto, Jose Quintana, Frankie Montas, which is so much fun to say, Nathan Ovaldi I just took a look at. I took a look at Noah Syndergaard because I was maybe anticipating a call on that tonight. And I also looked at Shane Bieber. So besides Castillo, one, two, three, four, five, six guys, six starting pitchers, I looked at and um, in in a few different categories. I didn't go overboard on the categories. And my my conclusions are this. I like Shane Bieber a lot. But he's not an unrestricted free agent until 2025. So that means he's going to cost theoretically even more than Luis Castillo, who is a free agent in 2024. So, and then you've got, factor this in too, Cleveland's right on the cusp of a wild card. I don't think they're going to part with him at, at this juncture. I wouldn't if I were them. And then that's kind of the same for Johnny Cueto from the White Sox. They're kind of, kind of loosely still in the mix for a second wild card. Let's see what they do. Um, Evaldi just doesn't move the needle for me. Uh, and there's a stat that I really love because it really kind of, when you look at a pitcher on a really bad team, it is what we're shopping for, right? A pitcher on a bad team. There's a stat called fielding independent pitching. And it's kind of basically, it measures, you know, the pitch, the pitcher's ability to prevent a home run, to prevent a walk, to prevent a hit by pitch and, and cause strikeouts, which is 
it, it's, it takes the fielders out of the equation for the most part as best as it can, right? So for me, you know, Ivaldi might have, a, what is it, a, a, where is it, a 4-4-3 ERA, which is not great. You know, he is a workhorse. He does pitch well, typically against the Yankees. But his fielding independent pitching number is actually below average, which really tells me, and it's not just like average, it's measured by the, you know, baseball reference website as being below average. So Evaldi, he just doesn't move the, the needle on me. Syndergaard's a big fat, eh. I think the Yankees are looking for a number two, maybe even a number three. But for me, Syndergaard with his injury history, it's just a huge question mark. I would stay away from him. And here's the other thing. I am not in love with Frankie Montas like most Yankee fans are. I think that, that you know, since he'll be a, a UFA in 2024, I think it's going to cost the Yankees more than they should be willing to spend on a guy like him. And because, here, it, I, I think that the biggest issue plaguing the Yankees starting pitching is that they're entering, and we've talked about this pretty much every single time I've been on, is that they're entering kind of this innings pitched, innings limits purgatory with a lot of their guys. I mean, I always point to this. Nestor Cortez has already, on, on the 30th of July, eclipsed his his innings limit on any season he's ever pitched. Okay, so that's what we're talking about. And you saw today, he came out early. And on the Yes Network broadcast, they were talking about that that's, that's how it's going to be. They're managing his innings. Well, I think Frankie Montas could be the same way. So he, he averages 177 innings pitched per season. And, and that's kind of inflated because last season it was like 183, I think. But even so, Montas averages 177 innings pitched per season. He's already at 104 and two-thirds, rounding up to 105. And it could be the same story as the current Yankees starters for him. So here it is. My recommendation for the Yankees to beef up their starting pitching rotation. Jose Quintana. He's got NLCS experience. He's got a higher innings pitched per season ceiling than than Montas. And you know what? And what really jumped off the page to me about Jose Quintana are, are two things. One, on the miserable Pirates, his ERA is only a 3-1-8. And this is, again, today, as of this morning. But think about that. The Pirates are miserable. And this guy only has a 3-1-8 ERA. Okay, which is pretty good for a pitcher on that team. But then you dig just a, a little bit deeper, and you take the fielders out of it, as I was just talking about. And his fielding independent pitching number is classified by baseball reference as excellent, which means he's only going to get better on a better team. And who better than the New York Yankees? Oh, and by the way, that number, he literally cut it in half between last season and this season. So something is starting to click for him. He is getting better at what he's doing. And the Yankees wouldn't have to give as much up for him, I don't think, as Frankie Montas because he'd be considered a rental. He's a UFA in 2023. So, and I here's the other thing. I also understand that, that Montas <clears throat> has a smidge better career numbers than Quintana at Yankee Stadium. But look at it in Houston. The difference is market. Go ahead, look for yourself. Quintana pitches better in Houston. 
And if the World Series for the New York Yankees and World Series appearance runs through Houston, well, wouldn't you want the best guy in the co-pilot, the number two starter seat? And for me, that's Jose Quintana, not Frankie Montas. What are you thinking? Is this making sense? Or is your heart of hearts still set on Frankie Montas? The Yankees need a number two starter, whether that's Severino when he gets back or someone that they acquire within these next few days. With Castillo off the board, my vote is for Quintana. I am Daniel McCartan. Call me up. Fans of the fan. You already know the number. It's in your speed dials. It's 877-337-6666. Who's your choice for the Yankees and its starting pitching rotation at this trade deadline? The Andrew Benintendi move was an A++. Knocked it out of the park. And now all eyes are on Brian Cashman to make a move for the starting pitching. Or a new starting pitcher. Um, because, yeah, it's uh, it doesn't look great if you're the New York Yankees. All right, let's go to Peter in Mayapak, New York. Peter, you're up first here, leading off on the fan tonight. Hey, it's uh, nice to be on. Uh, good to hear your show. Thank you. Just uh, I'm from Chicago, okay. and uh, just heard what you mentioned about Johnny Cueto or even uh, Shane Bieber from Cleveland. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess I heard that point. I, I certainly disagree with it. We're very passionate in Chicago. Mm-hmm. But uh, we're three games out, three games behind Minnesota, and Cleveland's even a game better than us. Right. And we're, we're certainly not trading off any players. That's what I said. Uh, especially our, our pitching when we're trying to win a division. Right. That, that's And that's exactly what I said. So I said, you know, I like Shane Bieber. I think he's an excellent pitcher. Um, but I said Cleveland is right on the cusp of that wild card. Same with the White Sox. So that's why I kind of just – I kind of crossed them right off my list. Yeah, I'm with you on that. So so then what? And if you're the Yankees, okay, then those two are crossed off. Then where do you pivot? That's, that's the point I was making. So one question I had is on the other side of town is with the Cubs actually is – I haven't heard any talk about Kyle Hendricks. Not that the Cubs would want to trade him, but if you're going to rebuild, sometimes you uh, have to get rid of one of your best pieces. And I don't hear anything about Kyle Hendricks. Do you know what the status of him is? You know, I haven't heard anything about him either, to be quite honest with you. His name has never come up in anything I've seen. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I wouldn't even have a problem uh, dealing Marcus Stroman, even though it's only been uh, less than a year that we've had him. Yeah. That's a contract that uh, we could let go in Chicago as well. Well, here's the thing. I think the Mets should be squarely, and I've said this for weeks now, squarely in the Mets uh, crosshair should be Wilson Contreras. Yep. And, you know, he had that, you saw that emotional thing that he had earlier this week. I mean, he basically knows he's gone. Absolutely. Yeah, so to where, we don't know. And Peter, thanks for the call out from uh, living in Chicago right now, and and I appreciate the perspective there. And, And like I said, Johnny Cueto, White Sox are still kind of sort of in it. Cleveland, they're right in it, too. So cross off Johnny Cueto from your bingo list here, Shane Bieber as well. And, you know, kind of left with Quintana or or Montas, I think, realistically speaking. Uh, for me, it's Quintana. Uh, let's go to Mark and Lindenhurst. Lindenhurst, not Lindenhurst, New Jersey. Lindenhurst, New York. Mark, you're on the fan. Yeah, how you doing? Uh, I don't get a chance to listen to you often. I'm on my way to work right now. I really wasn't familiar with uh, anyone other than Castillo being available for the game and basically looked like the second coming of uh, Cy Young against us. And then everybody, right. you know, had his on the tip of his tongue. But I, I liked your analysis uh, with uh, Quintana. Uh, so I guess that's who I'll be keeping an eye out for. But, uh, you know, I, 
I don't think the Yankees uh, are going to part with uh, anyone other than, you know, possibly this other shortstop who is, I'm not sure where he's ranked. I know. Is he their second? Other than Volpe, the other, I think his name is Peralta. Peralta. Number two. Yeah, he's the number two shortstop in their system, yep. Okay, all right, so, I mean, you can't use two of them, right? Right, right. exactly. Uh, so, um, you know, definitely, but I'm, I'm just hoping that teams are going to be willing to take him and not, you know, Volpe or nothing, because I, I don't want to see Volpe leave. But I really don't think the way they're currently constructed that this roster uh, is going to win a world championship, not when you have uh, the rotation down in Houston. And, you know, Yankee rotation is just uh, – you know, they, they definitely, what we saw in the first half, I don't think it was reasonable to expect in the second half. Right. Um, just, you know, you're just, you're just seeing the bubble burst in a little bit, a little out of time here. Mm-hmm. And, they, and they need that shot in the arm like uh, Houston got when they got Verlanda. And I don't think that's out there either. So we'll just have to wait and see. And um, and hopefully they'll they'll have somebody, you know, Tuesday at 6 o'clock that's, that's going to make that difference. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. I just... Uh, I don't think the Yankees are going to trade away a haul of of young players no. uh, like uh, like like uh, Seattle just did. Right. I really don't. Mark, I, I agree with you. And, and thanks, thanks Yeah, thanks for the call there. Um, so right, exactly. And the Yankees are not going to do it. They didn't do it for Castillo. You saw that 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 package was headlined by Peraza, not by Volpe, to the Reds from the Yankees. So there you go. The reason why they didn't trade for a shortstop or, or sign, I'm sorry, sign a big name free agent. They didn't go big game fishing uh, in this offseason at shortstop is because they believe in Volpe. If you don't know by now, now you know, right? If you don't know, now you know. So, yeah, no, it's it's that's a done deal. So for me, uh, I, I'm, I'm keeping my eyes on Quintana uh, to be a Yankee. Quintana from Pittsburgh. And by the way, just to point out, Connor's telling me to break. I know that. Um the Yankees do a lot of have done. Now, Brian Cashman himself has done some deals and, and, and worked a lot with Pittsburgh. And might I remind you, that's where Jamison Tyone came from. And that's, you know, by way of Houston, that's where Garrett Cole came from too. So I would definitely, definitely keep my eye on Jose Quintana. I would like it if I were, you know, if, if I rooted for the Yankees, I would like it. And, uh... Yeah, I mean, with Castillo off the table, where do you pivot to? And for me, it's going to be Quintana. And you know what? At this time of year, and all the callers, I, I understand everybody's got their general manager's hats on. But the part, you know, the most important part, I should say, in figuring out what you need is figuring out what you already have. So what is the strength of this Yankees team? Well, I've got some uh, some uh, opinions from some voices and some men that, that I think you might know. I'm Daniel McCartan. Let's talk Yankees strengths at 877-337-6666. Coming up next here on The Fan. Welcome back to McCartan before midnight here on The Fan in New York City. Uh, it's a, There's a UFC fight tonight, uh, and I've just got to check in from my friend, Misha. She's obviously not, not rooting for Amanda to win this fight, but we'll see what happens. I can't do it. I can't keep track here. So I told her to keep me updated. I'll keep you posted as she keeps me posted. And so back to the Yankees. In order to uh, chase what you need, you need to know what you've already got. So what would you say is the strength of this New York Yankees team? And before I answer it, uh, I got a clip uh, uh, my, from a one-on-one I did with Garrett Cole from, uh, I think it was Tuesday night. Connor, roll it. What is the strength of this team? You know, looking at that second half, if you had to pinpoint a strength of this Yankees club, what is it? 
I mean, right now it's going to be, it's going to be, you know, our ability to, to, to win, you know, different types of ball games. Um, that's what made us really good in the first half. And, um, you know, we're kind of struggling right now and we have a few injuries, but we have the personnel to still, you know, we can still slug, we can still create great defense and, and scratch some hits together. So when the game presents those challenges, like we might have some different personnel, but we're going to have to come through. Uh, I think we're well equipped to do that. So that's what I think would be um, the key. And then ideally at the end, we're, we're doing that with our, you know, feeling well and with our normal, our normal lineup. Yeah. Where's the confidence level with the team at this point? I mean, pretty high. Um, to be honest, like, not thrilled losing, but like, nothing's getting away with us, getting away from us, really. Like, we're fighting towards the end, and like, we're kind of getting some bad breaks or losing some 50-50 games, which I think at some point during the beginning of the year we we strung off like a good number of those, and and you know you want to be doing that, and you certainly earn those wins, but they don't always go your way. So, like, nobody's disappointed with the effort and nobody's disappointed with like I mean we're really in all these games so it's just going to come down to that big hit or it's going to come down to just extending the lead just a little bit more and so we're right there we just got to just get it a little bit back over the edge and keep it rolling and that was Garrett Cole and really the Yankees are really never out of it I mean they got 12 walk-off wins this season alone right so Obviously, you agree with it. They could beat you in any which way. Uh, here's ex-Yankee and Met, Todd Frazier's point of view. Strength of the Yankees team is what? Ooh. They, I, I think they got they got the whole package, to be honest with you. They got the pitching. Um, they got my, ma- my man Ron Marinaccio over there from Tom's River. That's right. Uh, I got to give him a shout-out. But their hitting's always been there. Um, they always seem to find ways to win games, and that's something that they were lacking a little bit too as well. But they are here. They're up, what, 12, 13 games, whatever it is, they're in, cru- they're in cruise control. Nothing to worry about. They just need to be healthy the rest of the way, and they'll be fine for the playoffs. Right. So to me, this Yankee team can beat you with one swing of the bat. One bad pitch by the opposition could change the complexion of any game that this Yankee team is in. They score the most runs per game in the entire league. They have the best run differential in the entire league. And again, they're never really out of it. And by the way, the pitching staff, was it yesterday, just posted the league leading 14th shutout. So, yeah, lots to like. So what's next? How do you bolster it? For me, starting pitching. Let's see what everybody else here on the phone thinks. 877-337-6666. Let's go to Bob in Bayside. You're up next here on The Fan, Bob. Danielle, before I get to my point about IKF, which I want to talk about, I, I happen to think that if if Severino was healthy, mm-hmm. I'm ready to go to war with Cole Severino and Cortez, who keeps you in the game. Mm-hmm. I'm ready for that. Are you? Uh, I if would... Severino is if Severino is fully healthy, right. which that, I predict right. he will be. You got you, we got two and a half months. Yeah, Bob, that's one concern I have. The other one would be really the the innings limit for Cortez. Um, but, you know, you don't know how that's going to play out. You saw the Yankees were managing it earlier today. Um, I, I don't know. I, I'd have to wait and see what Severino looks like okay. before I could say that. I called you last Saturday night on IKF. Okay. Last Saturday night you called them an average shortstop. Tonight you called them 
a stopback, a stopgap. So, can I give you a couple? Of, can I give you a couple of stats on this kid? Sure. His batting average is two seventy three, and I'm willing to bet that out of the thirty shortstops in the major leagues, that only ten or t- uh, only ten or eleven might have higher batting averages. He has thirty RBIs. He has fifteen stolen bases. Nobody has more than that. And let me give you a stat that you may not know. You know what he's you know what he's hitting with men in scoring position? Three thirty four. Okay? This kid is more is better than an average shortstop. I know you're gonna tell me the errors, mm-hmm. but out of nine hundred or a thousand balls that are hit are hit at you in hundred and sixty two games, you're gonna have some errors. But what about these other stats, Danielle? Listen, he, he is a okay, this is my take when they acquired him. He's a perfect bat for this lineup. He is, because he he has bat-to-ball. I think we talked about this last week. He has bat-to-ball capability. He, he he puts the ball in play. He's not one of these guys like a Gallo or going back to Sanchez or, or you know, to, that are feast or famine. His bat is perfect. What makes him average for me is his glove. I mean, he still, we talked last week. I mean, I, I just looked it up as you were talking. I mean, he, he he's still tied for third in the league in errors. You know, 11 errors. That's a lot. And as I was a shortstop. And I understand that when you get more balls hit to you, you're involved in more plays, you have the propensity to make more errors, but there were some even today or, or yesterday that were not marked down as errors for him, and they put him as base hits. So 11 is not even a true number for him. Danielle, he's hitting, he's hitting 334 with men in that's scoring fine. position. And that's fine. He's clutch. He's speed on the bases. He's a good shortstop. He's not, he's not average. How, how many... How many shortstops out of the 30 shortstops have a batting average more than 273? Seven. Do you know Phil, Seven. Phil Rizzuto was in the Hall of Fame. Seven of them. His lifetime batting average was three. It was, uh, two, was 273. Pee Wee Reese, his lifetime batting average was 269. Ozzie Smith, who made millions of dollars, lifetime batting average 262. So you're I, telling I, me Isaiah Kiner Falef is a Hall of Famer now? No, no, but... Oh. Short, aside from Jeter, who has a 300 lifetime batting average, shortstops don't hit more than 275, 280, ever, ever. Well, He's tell that to Xander av- Bogarts, 317, Trey Turner, 311, Tim Anderson, 310. You know, I mean, I can go down the list. This year? This year. I don't think it's that. Oh, it, it is. I'm looking at it. Yes. Uh, yes. All right, but. He's a very serviceable shortstop. Serviceable, Bob, is not good. Serviceable is average. 335 with men in scoring. Well, you just word, use the word serviceable. Serviceable. Definitions. Working. Functioning. Functional. He's operational. Usable. That's workable. I, he's That's got, fine. He's Bob, got, he does. He's, Rob, I'll give it to you. He's got speed. He has bat-to-ball skills. He is fine for right now, which makes Isaiah Kiner-Falefa a good stopgap shortstop for now until Volpe is ready. Bob, uh, sorry to let you go there, but go ahead and Google or go on social media, Twitter. I pulled it up for Connor before. Anthony Volpe made a a fantastic web gem type of a play earlier today. If you haven't seen it, go ahead. That is the shortstop of the future for the Yankees. It's not Isaiah Kiner-Falefa. I'm sorry. Um... Let's go John in Hartford. You're up next here on The Fan. Good evening. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? You are spot on, my friend. Thank you. You are spot on. Thank you. Here we go. Stop gap is number one. Volpe is going to be the next shortstop of the Yankees. Yes. The next Jeter-like 
short time. As soon as next season, John. Yep, I guarantee you he's a he's a stopgap. That's not why the Castillo trade was made. They're not going to give up the farm right. for a guy that's 29 years old that's not going to be their shortstop for the next 15 years. And which is why Spot they didn't on. go big game hunting in the offseason exactly. for a shortstop. And all the big game hunters uh, is not going to be the shortstop that we need for this team. We already have it in the organization. Yep, he's he's slotted for that spot. We all agree on that. We have to capitalize on this year. Do you agree? We are positioned to have a chance to get to the World Series and win the World Series. I would say yeah, because there's no guarantee that Aaron Judge is uh, is coming back. So yes, exactly, exactly. And there's a couple of factors. We'll get into that part two, but part one right here is that we definitely need another starting pitcher, yes. at least for a security blanket if Severino does not come back. Right. And we all know that. And Quintana is the perfect guy. Yes, he is. He has an excellent record. He has an excellent record against the Astros, and that's going to be the variable to get to the World Series. Yep. Because we're going to have to go through the. We're going to have to go through that. We know that. He's got so pretty good to- numbers at Minute Maid Park too, in case he has to start away. Exactly. So you put him in a security blanket. And if Severino comes back to 100, percent we're even deeper in the rotation. But we have to make a one more move, and then we have to think about the future with Judge. The other move we need to make, we got to bring former Yankee back David Robertson to take King slot in that seventh, eighth inning role that we can depend on. We need to make that move to bolster the bullpen. Um, guys- yes, but it's not high, high up in my in my you know list of things for the Yankees. Uh, it's not high up, but I do love David who, Robertson. Who, who, and, who would you give? Who, yeah, who would you give the Yankees to right now? Yeah, it's, it, it, we're it, in the playoffs. Who, who would you give it to? Clark Schmidt, probably. So that's why we need to get Robinson. We just, we just, if we're going to go for it, let's go for it. Let's get someone weak. Yeah, sure. Trust in New York before. Sure, here's I, the other. Yeah, John. Uh, I, the other, John, I love David Robinson. I think he's going to be playing baseball in New York, whether it be in the Bronx or Queens. I, I, I think it will be. Uh, hopefully, hopefully he's with our pinstripes, not the light blue. Here's, the, here's the other variable. We need a security if Judge does go to California. To the, to the West Coast and he wants to go home. And the Otani idea is intriguing to twofold. Mm. He's going to give you another arm for a security type of option in the rotation. He gives you a lefty bat that's going to be dynamic in this lineup, and he's flexible to be put in our lineup that would be uh, unbelievable if we go that path. Hopefully Stanton comes back. And if Dan comes back, well, not hopefully. And you go with Otani. He will. But if Otani's in the lineup, he's had that flexibility that our lineup starts to have right now with EJ and everyone else. Right. John, the thing is, though, match. John, have you looked at Shohei Otani's numbers at Yankee Stadium? I, I, I see that. But I think with the pinstripes and just, just his dynamic and his ability to kind of, kind of really come up. I think he'd really take the challenge and be beloved quickly. Uh, just imagine. John, just imagine I, yeah. I, I don't doubt you on that. I think he would be beloved here in, in New York. However, you know what? How about this? Let's take a quick break. Obviously, everybody knows that Luis Castillo is a mariner. Uh, the Angels are, quote, entertaining the potential uh, of Shohei Otani being traded. So would you rather Soho or Soto Sorry, or Otani? I got him confused. I tried to say it too fast. Soto or Otani. 
Well, let's see. Let's 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 dive a little bit deeper after this commercial break about the possibility, the potentiality of Shohei Otani playing his home games for the Yankees or for the Mets. I am Daniel McCartan. Give me a call at 877-337-6666. If you're hanging, I appreciate you. I will get to you as soon as I possibly can. Should Otani be playing baseball in New York? Which borough? Stay tuned. Welcome back to McCartan Before Midnight here on The Fan in New York City. We were just about to break open the Shohei Otani discussion. Um, besides the fact that Angel Stadium in Anaheim sells, they said it, as many as 30,000 tickets on a Tuesday night just because he's pitching. Shohei Otani, I mean, the guy is doing remarkable things. Through, I saw this on, I think SNY, through his first 50 starts, as a pitcher in 500 games as a hitter, he has within that quote unquote time frame. Otani has more strikeouts than DeGrom, a lower ERA than Cole, more home runs than Ted Williams, and more RBI than Ken Griffey Jr. Again, through 50 starts on the mound, 500 games as a hitter. Amazing, right? I mean, his stat cast percentiles as a hitter, as a pitcher, they most all start with a nine, as in the 90 something percentile. So take my word for it. I studied it. Shohei Otani, the guy is doing things that we as baseball fans have never seen before. Okay, period. So with Luis Castillo, who is the clear-cut number one pitcher on the market, now off the market, should the Mets and or the Yankees pursue Shohei Otani? My advice, if he's really who you want, I think you have to be wary. I think you have to be patient. I think you have to be willing to accept uh, this big welcome to New York learning curve that he's going to come with. I mean, me and my friend, I forgot what year, a couple of years ago, two, two years ago maybe, we went to a Yankee game where Otani was pitching for the Angels. We waited in this ridiculous line outside that wrapped around the entire building. I mean, what's up with that? We finally got to our seats. We pushed the seats down to sit in them, and there, come, there they come to take Otani out of the game. It was like the first inning, if I'm not mistaken, still. So, in fact, he's never pitched at City Field, Otani. But in Yankee Stadium, he's had two starts, and he's been horrible. And just those two starts in the Bronx, he lasted in two starts. Three and two-thirds innings total. He faced 26 batters total. He's got an ERA of 27. Nah, man, I'm good. This guy, You know what that tells me? This guy can't hang in New York. So we're all spinning our wheels for nothing here, I think, everybody. So Shohei Otani decided it long ago. Go back to 2017 when he originally chose Anaheim and not New York. At the time, Brian Cashman said, and this is a quote, I can't say that this is 100% the case, but I got the indication Friday evening that our presentation was fantastic and that it might not be a perfect fit. You can't make yourself a West Coast team and you can't make yourself a small market. That's Cashman in 2017. And at the time, Randy Levine also said, Otani would have been great here, but he isn't the only player in the world. I am a great believer in if somebody doesn't want to play here, then he, it's better that he doesn't play here. Not everybody can play in New York. So, yeah, it's a done deal. I think we can forget about Shohei Otani uh, coming to New York. That's, that's for sure. Eric and Scotch Plains, you're up next here on The Fan. Hey, Daniel. Thank you for taking my call. Thanks for making before- it. Before I get into baseball, who you got tonight in the Nunez Pena fight? Ah, uh, man. I mean, I'm I'm doing it with my heart here, Pena, but my head says Nunez. But I'm gonna pick Pena. Yeah, I I say Nunez in uh, submission. Yeah. But uh, 
Yeah, on to baseball. Sure. Um, the Yank- I'm a Mets fan, but I'm going to talk a little bit about both teams. Uh, the Yankees, um, when I hear the Yankee fans talk about the Mets and, and, you know, like I have family members that are uh, Yankee fans and, you know, so we get into, you know, back and forth. Uh, the the Yankees are two and seven the last nine games against the Mets, ten and fifteen the last twenty five. So you know when they say oh, we lost two games, go back a little bit, guys. All right, just letting you know that. Just you know, just giving you a heads up on that. I think the Yankees, as far as the trade, you wouldn't trade Volpe for uh, uh, Shohei Otani or uh, Soto. Mm, Soto maybe Otani no. Oh my God! No, no. way! Uh, Volpe, from what I've from what I've seen by scouts, they said that he's he's more of a second baseman in the major leagues. They said his arm is not a short uh, shortstop. Yeah, major but, league but they arm. also don't know that he went to in the off season. Uh, uh, I forget which university it was. He went through an entire throwing program where where he has um, also, and this is before he did that. So I'm not expecting you to know this, but he has. Um, definitely upgraded his arm in the offseason by, by doing biomechanics, things like that. Uh, well, I just think uh, a shortstop is born with an arm. You know, he's born with it. I don't think that you can go and say, I have a second baseman arm, I'm going to make it a shortstop arm. You know, I don't think that that's possible because he's going to, he's going to, uh, uh, major leaguers are a little faster. You know, they hit the ball harder. So I, I just think. <clears throat> From a lot of scouts that I've, I've, you know, I've seen, they said he's going to be. They project him as a second baseman. Well, I, I uh, also over, over on Wednesday night. I also looked at the the original scouting report on Derek Jeter, and it it, it also too wasn't glaring. I mean, it, it wasn't yeah. uh, very good. So you know yeah, what but, I mean? Yeah, but Jeter, the guy's in the Hall sorry. of Fame now. The guy's in the Hall yeah. of Fame now. Okay, I hear you. But Jeter is uh, he was a big kid. This guy's not a big kid. You know, he's the smallest guy. Um. And um, I'd rather uh, have a shortstop smaller than taller, honestly. Well, if you look at the shortstops now, they're they're a lot of them are tall. A lot of uh, the shortstops are, are tall. I mean, kind of Falefa is about my height. I think I might well, be taller yeah. than Lindor. Yeah, but I mean, you're talking about come on, Falefa. I mean, come on, give me a break. Well, I don't know. Guy. I'm just going with the two shortstops we have in New York and their heights. So yeah, well, uh, um, Lindor, he's going to be a second baseman in two years. Oh, okay. And um, uh, as okay. far as the trades, as far as I think the Mets are going to get Fulmer from the Detroit Tigers, and I think they're going to get JD Martinez. Uh, now the you're on to something, Eric. JD Martinez, you're on to something now. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's who I want. That's my wish list. You know, we we need that right-handed bat. And um, as far as the Yankees, I think hey, hey Danielle, you're going to call me crazy, but I would take a shot with Noah in the guard. I, he's only he's only signed for this year, and if you don't like what you see, you let him go. Yeah, but you, I think hey, it's he's crazy. Done it before. He's yeah, done I, think, it before. I think it's crazy, Eric. I, I appreciate it. I think it's crazy. You look at his fielding independent pitching numbers. I mean, they are like it's not good. It's just not good. The injury history is is, is of concern for a guy like Noah Syndergaard. I know he'd be a rental. Yeah, maybe you look at what the cost would be to try it. Uh, but if it's me, he doesn't move the needle on me. All right, we got a quick, quick um, break. We've got an update from Jack. And I'll be back with you right on the other side of... Welcome back to McCartan Before Midnight here on The Fan in New York City. 
thank you for tuning into the show on the, you know, the actual radio. Maybe the little transistor radio that my dad usually listens on. Maybe you stream it on the website. I just posted a link to Instagram at Coach MCCARTAN in my stories. Maybe just tuning in on the free Odyssey app. You know, this past week I did some pretty cool, obviously, sports-related things. I threw out the first pitch at the New York, formerly the Rockland Boulders game. They took such good care of us, so thank you very much. I'm actually wearing a Boulders baseball t-shirt right now. And remember when I posted on social media, on Twitter, Coach McCartan, Instagram, and on Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan, I teased the video of me doing the, like, should I do the Nestor Cortez wind-up or not? I ended up not doing it, but as you know, I was in the clubhouse for this, the Subway Series, and I showed that video to Nestor Cortez himself, and I said, well, what do you think? I got to tell you, he loved it. And he said, that's awesome. And he asked to see it again, so I showed him again. And then he was like, did you really do it? And I was like, nah. And hey, you know what? Maybe next time. Who knows? But the other thing I did this week was I took a day trip to Atlantic City, to the Atlantic City Convention Center, and I got a sneak preview, a before-the-public-look-on-Wednesday at all of the exhibitions at the 42nd National Sports Collectors Convention. The two highlights for me were... One, getting a completely up-close-and-personal-as-long-as-I-wanted look at the 9.5 Mickey Mantle card that's expected to get $10 million in an auction. Okay, that was number one. And number two, I asked, and they let me. I was able to hold in my hands autographed and authenticated game-used bats of Derek Jeter and Yogi Berra in my own hands, which I thought was pretty cool. And... uh if you still want to go, you know, I did the ticket blowouts here on, on my show. I think it was last week. I did the trivia on, on Twitter. Um, I was giving out tickets all over the place. But if you still want to go, I'm sure you can still go. It's tomorrow, Sunday. That's the last day of it. And, you know, all these cool things are still going to be on display. So you can still go. I highly recommend it. Just what a fun time it was. It's, it's just – and get there early because it's going to – it took hours to walk through everything there, touch and see and, and look and, you know. They also had the Michael Jordan uh, Game 6 shoes, six of them, which is pretty cool. All right, in the order that you called, Kevin in Long Island, you are up next here on The Fan. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you, Kevin? Good, thanks. Uh, I just want to say I enjoy your show a lot. Thank I you. listen to it like every time you're on. Thank um, you, thank you. Okay, I just want to talk about like Yankee fans and you guys with this Anthony Volpe stuff. You were talking to a Yankee fan about 10 minutes ago, and you guys were laughing because they anointed Juan Soto into the Hall of Fame. You guys got Volpe in the Hall of Fame. He hasn't had an at-bat. No, I think that guy had a kind of philosophy in the Hall of Fame. Do you know know how many number one picks for the Yankees have made it to the Hall of Fame in the last 40 years? Do you know how many? Was it the shortstop? One. One. Who? Anybody that does not want to. Who? Kevin, who? Derek Jeter. Okay. Anybody that does not want to trade a 21. These guys aren't prospects. They're suspects, okay? If you hmm. think that I'm a Mets fan, if you think that uh, Francisco Alvarez, who's rated the number one player in the minor leagues, if you think you should wait around for a 20-year-old kid, say you have no clue what he's going to do. You ever hear a Kelnick? You got a Mets trader? Where is he? If you can get a guy that's 23 years old and has already had the career like a Soto or a Tani, you do it. I'd give them, I'd give them the, my first three prospects if I was the Mets. 
But, but, that, but that's not going to. But that's not going to move the needle at all. The first three prospects. They're not doing it for first three prospects. They told you they're not doing it for that many, and they told you they want MLB caliber players. So who else? You My include? point you being, you the whole team, Kevin, for 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 Soto. Here's the point. Here's for Otani. You guys Who talk about Soto. Who doesn't want to play in New York, Kevin? Otani doesn't want to be here. But you want to, want to annoy a guy that's never had a pitch in the major leagues as, as a Hall of Fame. That's fine. And I'm not, pre- Kevin, I'm not pretending to be a scout. But what I can tell you is this. The Yankees really believe in him because they didn't go big game hunting this offseason. Yeah, you know They're what? not including There's him in any packages. In player. Excuse but me? But you know how many naked? Three out of a hundred. Well, that's fine. Okay? Maybe Look he's one up. of those three. Who knows? Right. Yeah, exactly. You don't but know. You do know. I don't know. But you do know what Otani is. You do know what Soto is. You have no idea. I know that Otani doesn't want to be here in New York, dear Kevin. He's told you that. He picked Anaheim. Listen, that's not what you said. You said I might trade Volpe for Otani. I never said I would trade Volpe for Otani. No, I didn't. I I said maybe Soto. Maybe Juan Soto. Maybe. You said no, I would trade him for Soto. Otani, I'd have to think about it. Yeah, which is pretty much a no. You know when your parents say, I I have to think about that? A 21-year-old kid that's never had a major league pitch. And doesn't want to be in the New York Otani. No, 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 no. I'm not putting him in the Hall of Fame here, Kevin. I'm not putting him in the Hall of Fame. What? He's like he's an untouchable ball player. Like he's done something specific. What has he done? What's he got in the minors? Two sixty. I mean, come on now. Kevin. You guys are cracking me up, man. Kevin, it's not me. It's 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 the Yankees and their mentality. They didn't. What? Then why do you think they did not make a move for a big name shortstop in a class full of them this offseason? Why not? Well, because Volpe's going to be the next oh. uh, Derek Jeter. Oh. <laughs> well, until he's not, how could you laugh at that? Because he hasn't even had a pitch in the majors. Well, that's fine. I can give you. Have you ever heard Jabba Chamberlain? Yeah. Have you, have you ever you heard ever of Bill Hughes? You ever hear how Jabba Chamberlain was ruined by the Yankees? That. All right, Kevin. You're not, you're not listening to me. That's not how this works, man. I talk, you talk. That's not how this works. No one wants to hear people yelling over each other. If they wanted to, they'd watch The View. I'm not putting Anthony Pope in the Hall of Fame. Nobody here is, Kevin. Nobody here is. But the facts are this, and we stick to the facts here. The Yankees did not go out and get one of those big-name shortstops this offseason when they were plentiful to choose from, plenty of them to choose from, and they did not include him in a trade package for Luis Castillo. Their tra- the Yankees' biggest package, it started with Peraza. So the Yankees clearly believe in Volpe. I can't believe anybody would want to scoff at that. Now, Tom Brady, you see his scouting report? One of the best quarterbacks to ever throw the football. Derek Jeter, his scouting report? I was face-to-face with it on Wednesday. It was horrible. The guy's in the Hall of Fame now, so come on, man. Let him develop. Let him see. Let's see. But the facts are that the Yankees believe in him so much that they didn't make any big moves. To acquire a shortstop as so as to block his path to the major leagues. That's all I can say. Freddie in Brooklyn, you're up next here on the fan. Hey, Kim, how's it going? Long well, time listener. Freddie, first of all, I'm a Danielle. Kim was on before, so let's. Uh, we got off on the bad, uh, bad uh, foot right there. Uh, sorry. Um, no, I just wanted to backtrack on the prospect thing. I think if Otani becomes available, you got to give up whatever it takes to acquire. He him. doesn't want to be Otani. You said, Freddie. Yes, Otani. he doesn't want to be here. 
We don't know that. He, what? Lot, yes, we do. Changed. Yes, we do. He didn't pick New York in 2017. Yeah, but now he's got accustomed to the state. You know? Oh, come on. You know him? You want to speak for him? <laughs> I don't want to speak for him, but, oh, you know, it's but been you a are. couple of years. It's a, you know, new stadium. He, see, he picked the Angels because he wanted to be closer to home. And the Angels are not working out for whatever reason. They cannot field a 500 team. And he's open to playing elsewhere. He is. You, are you, you his you agent? I'm no, I'm not. Okay. Well, how do you know needs, that? I just have a feeling, you know. Oh, he you have can't, a feeling. Yeah, and right. if he becomes available, even for the year. The Yankees are having a historic year. Aaron Judge is having a historic year. Yes. You have to go for it. They made the mistake in 2017 when they didn't want to give up prospects for Garrett Cole, and he came back to hurt them Freddie, with the Astros. He sucks at Yankee Stadium. He's got a 27 ERA at Yankee Stadium. Do you know what the fan would sound like if his ERA in pinstripes is a 27 at Yankee Stadium? Yeah, but with the Yankees, yeah, but, he, wouldn't, he wouldn't have to be that Young. They'd be relying more on the bat form. Well, wait be a second. Three, no, because the Yankees starter. have a huge need for a starting pitcher in that rotation. I don't know. I think he could be a solid 3-4 starter for them. They'll have the run support for him. And even if he's giving up 3-4 runs a game, they have the bats to back him up, and they could definitely use three, his bat in the lineup game. as his well. His ERA is 27. That's, that's different. That's him on the road. He's coming into the stadium. You know, it's, it's a totally different ball game when now he's on the other side of Disagree. the diamond. Disagree. And the other thing is with the, with the Mets, again, same thing. I'm just – we rely on these prospects, and we talk about these prospects. Sure, prospect hugging. Don't do it. I agree with you, but it's not <laughs> going to be for Otani. But, but why wouldn't you do it for Otani? Because he doesn't want to be here, and he sucks here at Yankee Stadium. So you wouldn't do it for just the, the year? You get him, I believe you'd have him for this okay, playoff Freddie, run and all of next season. What are you giving him up? What are you giving up for Shohei Otani for, in your words, a year? What are you giving up? If I'm the Yankees... I'm, you, you probably got to give up Volpe. Stop it. Then, then that, that's that's where it stops for me. Stop that. Come on. Uh-uh. I'm not doing it. I, I didn't do that, everybody. I didn't hang up on him. Just want you to know, he hung up on his own accord. I didn't touch it. I was scratching my chin, actually. Okay? No, I'm not doing it. The guy hasn't... He's got two starts at Yankee Stadium. Three and two-thirds innings. That's, his, that's it. He's given up 11 runs. All of them earned. Three home runs. No. No, no, no. Otani, and, and besides the fact that he doesn't even want to be here in New York. Some people prefer to be big fishes in little ponds. That's what I look at when I see Otani. Yes, he's doing historic things. DiMaggio-like things. Uh, uh, Ted Williams-type things. I went through it before. I understand it. But no. Then, but Maybe. Maybe if it's Soto, I'm including Volpe. But that's it. Not for Otani. I'm sorry. I'm just not. Tim, I'm in touching. You're up next here on The Fan. Danielle, thank you for taking my call. Yeah, thanks for making it, Tim. Don't listen to some bum that says you're his favorite and then calls you Kim. I, I, I mean, really, that was your first mistake. <laughs> Second of all, I agree with you 100%. I don't want Otani, not because he's not good. In Yankee, I don't take too much into account that he had two bad starts in Yankee Stadium. John Carlos Stanton was a, solely a DH the last X amount of years. He's finally playing the outfield, and it's freed up the lineup so much, and they have so much flexibility. Mm-hmm. Bringing Otani in and having him as DH would just totally lock us up again. And, yeah, you know, that's 
That's one point. So I, I don't okay. want Otani for for that reason. And then uh, the second part: if we get a starter, do you think we see bullpen Sevy back? Possibly. Well, it's hard, Tim. It's hard to say right now because. You don't know what he's going to look like when he comes back. You don't know what his innings things or innings limits would look like. I just don't know. I, I just don't know. I can't make that determination right now. But if they do move him to the bullpen, either way, even if they don't, they still need another arm there. They do. We need a starter for sure. But yes. I was thinking the inning limit, maybe having him in the bullpen would help be a stepping stone to next year to being full-time starter. Yeah, Tim, and it's, that's not a bad idea, Tim. It's not a bad idea. It's just you kind of have to weigh, you know, first of all, can they get bring anybody in? First of all, are they able to bring anybody in here at the deadline? And if not, well, then you're going to have to rely on him to be your, your, your number two starter. Just that's it, period. If they are able to bring somebody in, and I like Quintana the best out of all of them, um, then, then you see, and it's not a bad strategy to, to get him on the path for next year. It's not a bad strategy. Matt, at the Jersey Shore, you're up here on the fan. Hostess with the Moses. Thank you, as always, for getting me on. <laughs> Thanks for calling. <laughs> um, so the last time we spoke, last week, I believe it was last week, um, and first let me preface this by saying um, I've been a little bit distracted so I didn't get to hear word for word the last few calls, so I apologize if I'm repeating anything. But the uh, the last time we spoke, obviously it was about whether or not we go for Juan Soto, right? So it doesn't look like that's going to happen, right. and obviously we missed out on Castillo. Right. I get it why Cashman wouldn't didn't pull that trigger. Correct. But let's just say um, Cashman doesn't pull his magic, which he actually is very good at doing in finding people that are not in real consideration, like, like a Quintana, like a, yeah. like a uh, you know, Thor or whoever. Let's say that doesn't happen. And even, you know, and if he does go and take one of these guys, you know, I just feel like, in general, they've kind of gone backwards in terms of how they went with the combination of small ball and, you know, power to brought them to where they are now in the standings. And now with their last, like, lackluster play that they lost a bunch of games, I feel like they've gone back to feast or famine. If that's, yeah, but, if but Matt, they just got ben, but and, Matt, they just got Ben and Tendi. That's going to alleviate a lot of it. Do you, well, first of all, I hope that they, now that they have Ben and Tendi, they start putting guys like him and really Judge and Stan and Rizzo lower in the lineup yes. and start with the, the contact guys where right. they belong. Yep. That's, I mean, they haven't exactly been doing that Correct. even now. But I feel like even with Benintendi, it's still not enough. And if their offense stays cold, which we both know happens a lot, and they're pitching, frankly, I have no confidence in any of them in a big game. It's just not going to be enough to put us over the top. What are your thoughts? Um, Matt, and that's a good question. And I think Andrew Benintendi was absolutely the right choice in, 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 in the first step in, in putting the Yankees over the top. I think they need an arm. I think, I mean, they score the most runs in the league. They have the best run differential in the league, you know, per game, uh, runs per game, I should say. Best you know, run differential overall in the league. I mean, 
their offense is one thing, right? And now they've got a guy like Kiner Falefa with bat-to-ball skills, a guy like Benintendi with bat-to-ball skills, you know, DJ LeMayhew, bat-to-ball skills. They they have that now. They have more of that now. For me, it's going to boil down to an arm. I mean, Garrett Cole's your number one starter, I guess, and, and then what? And it's the same conversation we have pretty much this time every year for all the years I've been here. So um, I've got some Mets fans tweeting at me saying, okay, well, where's the Mets talk? All right, we can do that. And by the way, Syndergaard is trending right now on Twitter. Let me just click and figure out why. Yeah, Oh, here it is. Yankees are eyeing ex-New York starting pitcher Noah Syndergaard. Oh, no. No, no, no. He's a big project. I hope not. But uh, maybe he finds his way back to Queens. Who knows? All right. So let's figure out uh, first what the strengths are of the Mets. And we could talk, obviously, more Yankees. We've threw out. I don't care. Um, this is this is as much as your show as it is mine tonight. Uh, but I'd like to talk about some Mets strengths. I do have some input from uh, my one-on-ones with Nemo, Frazier, and actually Buck Showalter as well. So the strengths of the Mets coming up next here with Daniel McCartan on The Fan. Welcome back to McCartan Before Midnight here on The Fan in New York City. I'm Daniel McCartan, obviously your host till two, with you till two. I've got tweets, I've got Facebook messages at Coach MCCARTAN. Danielle, where is the Mets hot stove talk? Okay, but before we get to that, before you need to figure out, you know, what you need, you got to know what you have, right? I mean, all of the questions that general managers ask themselves probably start with, "What are the strengths of my team?" When you think of the 2022 Mets. What do you think of? For me, it's the starting pitching staff. And I went into the Mets clubhouse da- uh, at, there at City Field during the Subway Series. I asked around the clubhouse on the field. Uh, I, I actually got Brandon Nimmo in the clubhouse. And when I asked him the question, here's what he had to say. Going into the second half of the season, what do you feel is the strength of this club? Well, obviously I think our strength is our pitching staff. Um, our pitching staff is, uh, especially adding Jake back, is going to be one that I wouldn't want to face, uh, to be quite honest. It's, it, it's going to include uh, very, very tough pitching. Uh, not all of them are alike. In fact, they, they do all of them bring something different to the table so mm-hmm. it's not like you can just game plan off of one of them and say okay that works for for all the rest of them so um, I think it's a very difficult task to go up against our starting pitching um, and then you know obviously we're going to try and play great defense behind them and, and have some clutch hitting as well um, you know we've, we've got Pete that's having an unbelievable season and uh, you know we, we definitely have uh, some guys around him that that are that are contributing as well, and so um, you know I think I think the strength is the pitching, but we're we're an all around good team that can wear you down in a lot of different ways. I think Brandon Nimmo was right on the money there, especially in talking about the, the, the batters being able to to wear the pitchers down in many different ways. Absolutely, uh, I also talked to Todd Frazier, former Met. I know Yankee too, but Todd Frazier, here's what he had to say about the strengths of the Mets. The strength of this Mets team right now is what? The strength of this Mets team, I would say, is their resilience. Um, you know, they're, what, two and a half games up. Uh, they were ten and a half, but they got to understand they still don't have the ground, yeah. and they're still playing well together, and they got guys that are doing their thing, like Louis Gourmet's having a great year. Um, you know, a couple guys got hurt, but guys are stepping up. So at the end of the day, it's resilience, and uh, they got to finish these last couple months. That's it, finishing. And that's always been the Achilles heel for the Mets is finishing out the season and yeah. everybody being healthy, and I think they have a good shot at doing it. Right, finishing. All the Mets fans, they all know that. That the Mets kind of sort of fall off a cliff, 
But this year's different, and, I, and I've said this from the off season. The Mets are built different this year, um, especially when they got Max Scherzer. So I, I then asked Buck Showalter, the man in charge, the man orchestrating all this, pu- pushing the right buttons, um, and he clearly took the more diplomatic route. What do you see is, moving into the second half, the strength of your ball club? Oh, I don't know. I think it's yet to be revealed, I hope. But uh, you know, there's a lot of potential, and all of a sudden a couple of injuries and that strength's a weakness. It's just an ebb and flow season. Uh, you're never quite as good as sometimes the season may make you think you are, and you're never as bad. And We're all going to seek our level. Our curiosity is going to be satisfied. We live in a, a world today that wants to know about everything before it happens. I'm okay. It'll be revealed to us, but it's going to be a lot of fun watching it. For me, it's the starting pitching staff, period. For the Mets starters, I mean, without the best pitcher in baseball, Jacob deGrom, provided that he is back to that level, but without him, the Mets starters ranked seventh in walks per game, sixth in the league in ERA, fourth in the league in left on base percentage, second in strikeouts per nine, and, and just the eye test, too. I mean, the Mets are not forced to dip into their bullpen very often. I mean, the starters are really good at eating innings and making quality starts. I mean, Carrasco today, did you watch? And again, it's all without Jacob deGrom having thrown a single pitch at the major league level so far this season. And then there's a tight, a close runner-up, Edwin Diaz. I mean, the guy is an elite closer, whether you actually like to admit it or not, or say it out loud, or not. I mean, there is no one better in the league in him than him in expected ERA, in strikeout percentage, in whiff percentage, in whiff rate. His barrel percentage, his chase rate, his fastball velocity, they are all literally considered and defined by Fangraphs and Baseball Savant as being elite. I mean, Edwin Diaz is having the best season of his life. So for me... You know, that's like 1A and 1B for strengths of this Mets team. Um, I've got no calls on the Mets. Come on, Mets fans. 877-337-6666. We're jammed with Yankee calls, so we'll go back to that. Uh, Sparky and Dobbs Ferry, you're up on the fan. Go ahead. First of all, Coach, I can't believe last week I said Astrodome. I'm like, oh, man. Oh, that's okay. Okay, okay. now, as far as Atani, he would be the worst fit you could possibly have because let's face it, when the guy's not pitching, you don't play the field, and those DH at bats have to be held for Stanton. Well, not just Stanton, but on a rotating basis of players that that need time off, that need a day, you know. And by the way, isn't it nice they brought Benintendi in though? Oh, that's my number one target. Uh, when that when I got the news that night, I was over the moon that the Yankees brought in Benintendi. That's a, I, I love being right. And, and, and I love being Coach, right there. You're the first person that said Ben and Ten. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, now. Yeah, say it louder, Sparky. Thank you. Okay. Now, when when um, Scherzer pitched, I got good vibes out of that game. I know it sounds crazy, but you know what that game reminded me of? Remember how years ago when Pedro Martinez would pitch against the Yanks? And the Yanks' idea was just hold tight and close with Pedro and then take advantage of their bullpen. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of game coach in the past and in the future. I think more times than not, they would have won that game. 
I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I guess I'm being overly optimistic. <laughs> Maybe, but that's okay. But um, what I'm very worried about, first of all, I agree with you about going for Quintana. That's because I got to tell you right now, I mean, realistically, game one, do you honestly feel confident in Cole? I don't. Uh, Cole? Uh, it depends on the day, you know? No, I, so therefore, no, I don't feel confident in, in Cole. Because you know what? Let's face it. He's not the same pitcher without that sticky stuff. Uh, he's adjusted, but it hasn't been the same. You're right. No, and, uh, and the last thing, you think that maybe Beckton might have woken up and realized he has to work hard to play ball? Oh, Sparky, I hope so. Because if, if, oh. he, if he realized that, he does, he does look like he's trimmed down. I don't know what the weight is currently now. But, oh, man, what that line would look like with Mackay Becton oh. on it. Oh, man. And uh, let's face it. I mean, I... I mean, I've been I've been a Jeff fan since 1965 when they drafted Joe Namath. They won when I was in in eighth grade, and I'd like to see another Super Bowl sometime before I before I leave this world. Oh yeah. Well, Sparky, you, with Mackay Becton on that line and Elijah Vera Tucker and 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 all of oh, I don't know. I, I think it's an exciting time to be a Jeff fan. I, I'm not expecting the playoffs, but. Market improvement, I'd say, especially on the defensive side for the Jets. Um, okay, uh, in the order that you call, Milton in Brooklyn. You're up next here on The Fan. Hey, what's going on? Good job. I, I, I just have to tell you, okay, so when the offseason happened and we all hyped up about the Yankees getting a shortstop and we were all expecting the big spending money. Not but what me. Happened? Milton, not me. What happened? It wasn't me. No, oh, no, I understand, but most Yankee fans expected to get a shortstop. Am I correct? Uh, yes, but not... Uh, can you just do me one favor, Milton, and, and just yeah. lower your radio in the background because I'm getting some feedback. Oh, that's probably my phone. I just you're probably gonna hang up because my phone is. I guess just my phone then. Oh, okay. All I'm saying, all I'm saying is real quick. Yeah. They did not expect uh, Soto and Otani's name to ever come up. Who would have ever thought these two players would be available? Mm-hmm. And now I feel like Cashman is trying to prove his point by sticking with Volpe no matter what now mm. because he passed on those shortstops. Mm. And by passing on those shortstops, now he has to – he almost has to not make a move to, 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 to validate what he did. And, and you now, know what, Milton? He's done that before with Clint Frazier yeah. too. Yeah, but I'm just thinking it's a mistake. I would carry these guys on my back to go get Soto, any one of them. I mean, this kid is 23 years old. Sure. Otani, Otani's a, a, an incredible Babe Ruth-type player. Like, who wouldn't want that guy? He doesn't you want to be here. You say that, but listen, he did that. We hit him. He's not going to be pitching against us. You know, and he's going to be on the road. That's not Yankee Stadium. He's going to get a boost of confidence. He's just going to play for the Yankees. And then you tell me all of a sudden he's never going to pitch good again? The guy is going to hit like 25, 30, but Milton, 40 home runs easily. He, so, he, and, and, and I'm getting feedback, so I'm going to let you go here because you're not. it's not a great connection. Um, he doesn't want to be here. Shohei Otani does not want to pitch in New York City. Zach Granke didn't want to pitch in New York City. It, you know, uh, what was that guy? Uh, he ended up going to the Phillies. Connor, who was the guy? He ended up going to the Phillies. The Yankees were really high on him, and he decided not to go to New York. Oh, you're probably yelling at your radio. Just tweet me, at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. It's just a different vibe. A.J. Burnett never made it here. 
You know, I know he won a World Series, but he, he you know what I mean? Uh, uh, Sonny Gray, it's just pitching here is different. And Shohei Otani did not want to come here in 2017. I, and, and by the way, they're listening for offers. It doesn't mean they're trading him. But I'm not trading Anthony Volpe for him, number one. However, I would, yes, include Volpe in a deal for Juan Soto. I would think about it, yes. I, no, I would do it. For, for Otani, I would not. For the simple fact is, you don't know if he's going to make it here in New York. He doesn't want to be here. He told you in 2017. Brian Cashman told you. I read the quote before. I read the quote from Randy Levine in 2017. It's just, no, they made a perfect pitch to him, no pun intended, and he didn't want to be here. I guess he prefers to be a big fish in a small market. Douglas in the Bronx, you're up next here on The Fan. Hey, Danielle. Hey. Uh, hey, uh, as your TV person, I feel uh, it is fitting that I must mention someone we all know is making TV appearances this very weekend. That someone is you, Danielle. Oh, Congratulations. Yeah. Yes, I was on some uh, some New Jersey TV, yep, and, I, and you sent me the clip. I, I'll have to tweet that out. Thank you. Yes, she, yeah, you're on tomorrow morning, Me TV. You have uh, that channel on your lineup. Yes. Okay, so I always enjoy Old Timers Day. I, I always enjoy that ceremony. I do miss the exhibition game. I do like to see some of those uh, former players in action. And just as a quick suggestion, uh, I would not have minded a mini version of Home Run Derby, <laughs> uh, like like of the of the Yankees that came today, Bernie, Tino, and Boone for Home Run Derby. How about that, Danielle? One more time. You're iffy. Oh, Bernie Williams, yes. Tino Martinez, and Aaron Boone for today. Hmm. Yes. No. <laughs> You're lukewarm. You're lukewarm with that. Hmm. Are we moving the fences in? <laughs> I mean, I mean, they all look uh, like they could still do it. Invite, we got to invite Matsui. How about Matsui? <laughs> Matsui, yeah. He said one. He said one. Anyway, he hit one off anyway. uh, David Cohn. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so, uh, on to the current Yankees. Um, yeah, uh, that move, picking up Ben Attendee, was such a morale booster because, of course, it happened like a split second after they lost to the Mets. On Wednesday night, and uh, and just to recap, the Yankees had four important games after the All Star break: the two against Houston, of course, the two against the Mets. They lost all four of them, and Baltimore are not pushovers. They did fight them hard. I know the Yankees won two out of three, but of course, they lost Michael King in one of those wins. So, uh, it the mood drastically changed right after that Met loss because I was. Pumped. I know you were pumped, and uh, I'm so glad he's here. 333 against the Astros. Can't ask for any better, and even better against the Cleveland and Minnesota. It's, uh, I think, uh, over 400 against those. So top-notch pickup. Um, and I don't know if you read this in The Athletic. Joey Gallo, he's already talking in past tense when he refers to New York. Yeah, yeah, it's sad, Douglas. Oh, and, and thanks Very for calling, sad, Douglas. Right? It, thanks, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's sad it didn't work out, you know, and... Um... Yeah, unfortunately, it just doesn't work, and sometimes it doesn't. And and I've got a bunch of tweets saying Cliff Lee, that's it, Cliff Lee. Ah, you know when he, it's on the tip of your tongue and you can't remember who it was. Uh, yeah, so uh, Cliff Lee, correct, correct, everybody. Thank you. Okay, you can stop responding now. Cl- Cliff Lee, Cliff Lee was the one who didn't want to pitch in New York. Same thing, same idea. 
Okay, so some more Mets. So so we've talked about the strategy for the Yankees, and we'll continue with your Yankee calls as well. Given the strengths of this Mets team, with all that information we now know, what should be the main area to address if you are Billy Epler? Because, honestly, I know the deadline's Tuesday, but it's been sort of underwhelming to me so far um, what the Mets have done. Just kind of underwhelming. It's kind of like, okay, all right, what's next? Okay, all right, all right, what's after this? To me. Anyway, I'm Daniel McCartan. Uh, there have to be more moves coming in Queens. What do you think they should be? 877-337-6666. Welcome back to McCartan Before Midnight here on The Fan in New York City. We have had a treat tonight. Connor Green is the best, uh, the best that there is. So give him a call at 877-337-6666. All right, everybody. So the, um, the Mets, to me so far, the Mets have underwhelmed in the trade market. And I know that there's still time. I know that it's, you know, only Saturday the 30th for the next 10 minutes or so. But so far, the Mets have made a move for half of a DH in Vogelback. They've got an average outfielder in, in Tyler Naquin. And and I know that forces Jeff McNeil back to second base, and I do like to see that. So that's an okay move for me. But t- to me, I-, I just think the Mets have just made some minimal, almost incremental moves so far. But uh, obviously, that doesn't mean that they're finished. So next needs to be a combination of, and, and not or, it's and, a real scary bat in that lineup and relief pitching. And I know Trevor May will be back this week, probably. I know Drew Smith just hit the IL, and it's going to be an extended trip to the IL. So the Mets are going to need relief pitching too. So a bat and relief pitching, not or. They need both. So my recommendation for a big bat. It's evolved a tiny bit since the last time we talked because the Red Sox, and we t- I told you to watch the Red Sox, they seemed like they're going to be sellers to me right now. I mean, Bloom said it himself on Wednesday. He said, I've, I've just said the truth that we hadn't discussed Bogarts or Devers with anyone and we're not planning on it. To me, I interpret that as everyone else, though. Ooh-wee. All right, so bump J.D. Martinez near the top of my list for the Mets. Uh, I, I have three um, that are at the top of the list for the Mets. Any one of them I, I, I would be happy with uh, playing their home games in Queens. I'm still sticking on the Wilson Contreras train. I think the Mets have a really big deficiency at the catcher position. Wilson Contreras fills that end the big bat requirement. So he is still number one on the list. Wilson Contreras. You saw him get emotional earlier in the week. He knows he's as good as out. Where will he land? Hopefully in Queens. But if it's not Wilson Contreras, I also like, uh, I don't know if I want to say in this order, but probably Josh Bell, who's a UFA in 2023. I also like J.D. Martinez, also a UFA in 2023. So in the the hierarchy here, um, I would probably go Contreras, then, oof, uh, Bell or Martinez? Bell or Martinez? Looking at the numbers here, productive outs. Martinez makes 52% of them. He has postseason experience. Uh, I, I think I might go Josh Bell there only because his, his strikeout percentage, uh, strikeout percentile, it just really jumps off the page. It's, it's at 92. He's in the 92nd percentile for strikeouts, uh, whereas J.D. Martinez is in the 40th. Um, Josh Bell also does not chase... Many, many pitches, whereas J.D. Martinez 
does. He's kind of like a free swinger. Uh, so there it is. So I'd go Contreras, Bell, Martinez. I'm not. I'm iffy on Trey, uh, Trey Mancini. I would call him not Mancini. Mancini is how you say it in Italian. Um, just, I just, uh, I don't know. I, he's got only got ten home runs so far this season, which is all right. Uh, I just, I don't know. It, it, the, the defensive thing is is the thing for me. I mean, there's kind of like a logjam then created at first base. C.J. Crone, I would say pretty much no. They're going to want a lot for him, the Colorado Rockies. And uh, if I hear Nelson Cruz come up one more time, oh, my God, it's it's a no. It's a no on Nelson Cruz. So if you're the Mets, your big bat targets should be in this order. Contreras, Bell, Martinez, get it done, New York Mets. All right, in the order that you call Benjamin and Fairlawn. That's my neck of the woods. Bergen County, Benjamin, what's up? Hey, Danielle, how you doing today? Good, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm coming back from uh, Maine, the road trip. Um, and uh, I just had a quick question sure. about uh, Aaron Judge and uh, Juan Soto. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> if the Yankees were to get Soto at the trade deadline, um, would you allow Judge to walk after the season, even after this amazing season they got. Yeah, that'd be a heartbreaking thing. But if the Yankees got Soto, um, oof, uh, I know that's the big thing, right, Ben? And that's a great question. It's it's one of those questions. If the Yankees got Soto, would that mean Judge is out the door? If it were me, I would say no. I would say you got, what, two years for the both of them to, to share that outfield? But if it's Hal... Steinbrenner, I'm not so sure. So, I don't know. If it's me, I'm doing it, though. Matt in Huntington, New York. You're up on the fan. Hey, good morning. Thanks for taking a call. Of course. Thanks for making it, Matt. I uh, I do agree with you on your assessment of the Mets pitching staff. I, I, I'm a huge fan. I personally think that, as insurance, it probably wouldn't be a bad idea to add a starter. And hear me out before you. Sure. Someone who I don't ever hear mentioned, and I don't know why, is Madison Baumgartner. And for a guy who has his resume, especially for October or late September, whatever you want to call it, I just think that this this would be a phenomenal insurance policy to whether or not the Grom is all the way back and throwing at 100 miles an hour, you know, or if Carrasco is actually really playing. He's, in my opinion, I think he's playing way out over his head right now. But, hell, he's, he's, he's put up 11 wins already. So, I don't know. I mean, realistically speaking, I don't think he's a 20-game winner. But I just don't know. You know, the, you, you can never have too much pitching. Yes. You know, and they're, they're putting up runs day in and day out where they never really used to do that. Right. It was always one-run games. Mm-hmm. So, offensively, I, I really believe we're, we're okay. Of course, I would love J.D. Martinez. But – me personally, if I'm if I'm Epler, I'm going after a major top of the line starter. Yeah, but the, but the problem is here, Matt. I I don't think it's Madison Bumgarner. I mean, you look at his contract. He's got this year and two more at, at the ones at twenty three million. The next one's twenty three million. Twenty twenty four is fourteen. I mean, that's a lot but, of money. Number one, and then you look at. It's a ton of money, right? So as an insurance policy, and I know the Mets are not really constricted by money anymore, but when you look at what he's done, right, the body of work that he's done, I mean, 
three. Well, he's three on a ter- I mean, he's on a terrible team. But right, so but has- exactly right. But Matt, this is the point I was going to make. That that stat, which I love, is fielding independent pitching. His score is a four point six two, which if if you look on the scale, it's it's well below average. It is, but look if you like again, and you're right. But again, like bringing in Scherzer has changed that clubhouse, mm-hmm. changed the team. Mm-hmm. He's a winner. He's a gamer. He's big time gamer. Right. And he and he's been he's someone who's been there in October. But you knew that coming into it. Knew it. And I'm telling you, you know, I really believe guys who have been there and are gamers. Baumgarten is one of those guys. Well, I agree, and I love having those guys on the teams there, Matt. And I'm so, I'm sorry, I just got to hit a break here. I'm sorry to cut you off here, but I and and and, and I I agree with you. You 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 would love to have guys, and that's what I always put in my charts here: postseason experience, yes or no. And I go through it for every one of these guys that that I that I recommend. But Bumgarner, it's a lot of money for a guy that's, in your words, use your words, and I agree with you. An insurance policy, it's that's not the right answer. I don't think to to the test here. If you're the Mets, um, I just don't. And I think the Mets, before they start looking at starting pitching help, I, they really need to really bolster the relief pitching core uh, on that Mets team. Uh, I would kind of rank the hierarchy of need that way in terms of pitching. Relief first, then maybe you get a starter. Maybe. All right, we've got to take a quick, quick break here. We've got Jack with an update, and I'll be back. Welcome back as the clock ticks to midnight here in New York City, Lower Manhattan, more specifically. I'm Daniel McCartan with you till 2. Thanks for tuning in on your terrestrial radio, your streaming device, or just checking me out on our free Odyssey app. We are about to have a changing of the guard behind the glass and taking your calls at 877-337-6666. Connor Green is out. Connor, thank you very much. Brian McKeon's up. I'm taking you till what? 6 a.m., right, Brian? Okay, you didn't hear me. All right, well, anyway, so speaking of Odyssey, some congratulations are in order for our Susan Waldman, an inductee to the 2022 Radio Hall of Fame class. So exciting, hard-earned, well-deserved, long overdue. So, and I know I told you in person, Susan, but congratulations to you. Uh, I'm not sure there is a me here behind this mic without you. So thank you. And I did ask Eric Hall really quickly uh, what he had to say. Because you, know, you know they have the story between the two of them. So here's what uh, Eric Hall had to say. What a pioneer. So really, really special that she uh, gets to go in. And we're super happy for her. Proud, at, proud for her to be a Yankee. Yeah. And uh, I love that he used the word pioneer because that's exactly what Susan Wallman is. So thank you, uh, Susan. I feel like I have to say thank you to you. Congratulations. And um, when it gets closer, I'd love to have you on uh, and we could talk about that. Um, in more detail. And also, another WFAN family programming note, uh, Douglas in the Bronx mentioned it before, I recorded an interview with Lisa Marie Falbo, who works on our Giants radio broadcast show. It's called Your New Jersey. It airs in exactly, well, a little less than eight hours from now, 8 a.m. Make sure to set your DVRs. It's called Your New Jersey. Hope you like it. And Lisa, thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. It was fun. Fun time. All right, so back to your calls. We are pretty much full all night long. We will continue in the order that you called, please. Um, Paul in Forest Hills, you're up first in the 12 o'clock hour. Go ahead. Paul. Okay, well, Paul, if uh, if you want to give us a call back, that would be great. Uh, you lost your spot there for now. Will in Jersey City, you're up next here on The Fan, Will. 
Hey, Danielle. Hey. Good morning. Uh, <clears throat> so, first thing, I was going to make a Yankee point, but I'll, I'll, since you're trying to push toward the Mets, I'm a Yankee fan, but I totally agree to the Mets being able to, I think that the Red Sox would be a perfect parts car for the Mets this season. Mm. They could pick up a, uh, Pavetta, who's not a particularly good starting pitcher, but he has a depth piece. They can get Evaldi as an arm. And they, could, they could take either even Verdugo, if not getting uh, Martinez as an outfielder, to play and put as a bat outfield. I do like Verdugo a lot. You he think they're going to part with Verdugo? I don't know about that. I think it could be anybody. Anybody except for uh, yeah, Bogarts and Devers. And Devers. That's it. I think Verdugo would be a big splash there, Will. Verdugo. I could see it. Ah, that would be a nice move for the Mets. Yeah, and then on the Yankees, you know, everything was going great. I'm in a text group. Everybody was loving it. Everybody was getting along. Then all of a sudden, the Yankees have one month where they play 500, and the sky's falling. And once again, they need an all-star at every position. we got to get Soto, notwithstanding that they can't sign both Soto and Judge, but give up everything for him if you can get him, right? <laughs> They got to get Otani, who never wanted to be here. Yes. You know, they'll get him, too, who never right. wanted to be here. Right. By the way, if uh, you can get Salvador Perez, you know, bring him in. <laughs> it, you know, so I don't have to they just brought in an all-star and Ben Attendee to right. play left field. Right. I think that this team needs some finishing pieces. Uh, you know, all the, my, my friends and everything, you know, they all wanted the shortstop, right? Now they're all clamoring about why Volpe or Peraza aren't starting instead of Kiner Falefa, who's going to bat uh, 270 this year and still 20 bags as a nice little ball player. As I get, a role player, as you touched on. What I'm getting here, Will, okay. is that you are uh, upset with Yankee fans because they never seem to be satisfied. Uh, it's not even, I don't even know if I'm upset. It's like everything was great until, you know, one little hiccup where they're not even bad. They played five, they're played. they playing 500 this month. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, even, it's not even like the callers per se. It's, it's my, my own friend group. I'm in a, a text group where all my Yankee fan boys, like 10, 15 of us, we go to games and everything like that. And this month has just been, you know, peaks and valleys, right? The team's terrible. This is the same team that I've seen in 2018 and 19. It's the yeah. same team. You can't trust anybody. It's just this, ay, ay, ay. It's constantly the same thing. But it's still, it's still a great season for baseball in New York with the Yankees and Mets doing great. And I wish that, you know, as a Yankee fan, I wish more Mets fans would be calling in tonight so we can have a little back and forth. I think the Mets are going to make a big move, and I think the Yankees are going to make a couple finishing moves, yeah. which I think is good for both teams, Yes, but would drive content to the station. And, you know, as Stevie Cohen taking the mantle from, you know, the Yankees as a narrative. Hey, Will, but, you it, know, it's, it's just, almost it's like you, you glanced into my outline of the show tonight because this is exactly where I wanted to take this starting right now. Good for you. Right. Go ahead. Good Thanks. for you. Have a good night. You too, Will. Thanks for that. That's really exactly where I wanted to go with this. Uh, let's go to Eli. In Long Branch. Is this Eli Manning? I have to ask. And I wish. <laughs> excuse me. I wish, but not. But <laughs> What's up, Eli? That'd be, uh, be uh, kind of cool when do Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> All but, right. Um, what do you got for me tonight? But, say, I just want to make a quick Yankee point. Um, or a couple of Yankee points. Mm-hmm. Number one, actually, I was, I was kind of very disappointed that they didn't end up getting uh, Castillo. Yeah, but, Castillo. but I know, I, I get it. I get the the frustration, the disappointment, but that means you had to give up Volpe and, and, and Dominguez and, and and that pitcher, Wildachuk. It's just too much. It's It would be too much, uh, in my opinion. So I, in a way, I think they well, kind of well, Volpe, did okay. I agree with you, but I would have been willing to give up Dominguez 
and some and some um, and like Peraza and some other guys. Right, but and that, and that's exactly what the Yankees were willing to give up, and the Reds said no, and and Peraza headlined that package from the Yankees, and and the Reds said no, thank you. So they were looking for Volpe. Well, then I guess this is what it is. But um, the what, what, what other good starting pitchers are they out there left at all now that, mm. that he's off the market? Ah, yes. So, so my recommendation, and, and Eli, I'm going to hang up so you can hear the answer here because there's a little bit of delay. I used to call here too. Um, so with Castillo off the market, um, I looked at one, two, three, four, five, six other guys. Um, I will eliminate two right off the bat, Johnny Cueto, White Sox, and Shane Bieber, Cleveland Guardians, because looking at these two teams and where they are, um, they're pretty much in the thick of things. So I'm just, these are two guys that were on my wish list that I'm going to cross off. And then from there, it's a choice of, um, Nathan Ovaldi doesn't move the needle for me for the Yankees. Syndergaard definitely does not. So then you're looking at Jose Quintana and Frankie Montas. And when I compared the both of them, um, their contract lanes, and, and, and a lot, a lot of different ways I compared them. For me, I'm picking Quintana from Pittsburgh. And there is some familiarity between Cashman and Pittsburgh because of Tyone. And, you know, I know Garrett Cole came from Houston, but, you know, there there's a little familiarity there, meaning that there could be a deal to be made between the Yankees and the Pirates. So, Jose Quintana, I like Frankie Montas. The, the biggest thing against Frankie Montas for me is, again, this, this Yankee pitching rotation. It's, it's about the, out, the hours, the, 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 the innings limits and, and, and all that, right? And, and when you look at Frankie Montas, I think last season he pitched like 180-something innings, nothing really significant before then. And then this season, he's already at 104. Yeah, okay, here I have it in my notes. Career high, 187 last season. So that brings his average to 177. He's already at round up 105. Uh, that's a question mark for me moving forward. Uh, let's go to David in Bayside. You're up next here on The Fan, David. Danielle, how are you? I'm good, how, how are you? Good, good. I haven't spoken to you in a while. Didn't know you were on tonight. Nice uh, surprise. I'm on. Hey, thanks. <laughs> thanks for calling in. Yeah, good surprise when I turned around. Hey, I wanted to talk to you about your friend, Misha Tate. Yeah. I know you were out at uh, the UBS Arena. Yep. Real quick, though, on the Yankees. Sure. Just get it out of the way. Couldn't agree with you more. Otani could have signed here. Could have been the next Matsui. Chose the Angels. Enough said. Yep. Um, you know, Castillo, that's the guy I wanted for the Yankees. I mm-hmm. think they need another starter. Soto, you know, the conversation starts with Volpe. Correct. That's where you go. That's it. Okay. So, Misha Tate, what did you think? Tough fight to lose. Tough yeah. fight. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was, uh, and, I, and I'm no UFC expert, you know, I'm really not, I'm like kind of like a casual UFC fan, but right, she's just got to protect her face a little bit more. Like every time she was giving a punch, yeah. she was taking one because the other girl, what, Lauren Murphy, she's got what, three inches longer reach. I mean, every time she gave yeah. one, she yeah. took one. Ah, it was frustrating to watch for sure. The thing with Misha Tate. I couldn't agree with you more, and it's frustrating. I've seen her fight for years, way back to strike force. Yeah. And unfortunately, if she cannot get the fight to the ground, she's not winning. That's right. It's not going to She happen. tried. She tried a few times, yeah. and Lauren Murphy blocked it. And I was like, ugh, sitting in my seat like, no. Yeah. <laughs> I know, yeah. And, 
And that's the problem. Everybody knows Misha's game is grappling. Mm-hmm. Take it to the ground. I mean, look, you saw what happened with Holly Holm. That's how she won the fight. Yep. But the problem is every fighter knows that. So every time she goes for a takedown, they're ready for it. They drill it all the time. They yep. don't just go for the takedown. Yep. And unfortunately, after all these years, her stand-up game is still average at best. Yep. And she doesn't have any head movement. Yep. And you're right. Laura Murphy had reach. Laura Murphy's a good stand-up fighter. And she kept it on the feet. Mm-hmm. It was a tough loss for me. She was, uh, it, unfortunately, it's probably the end of her career right now. Well, I think she's one. got one more fight left on the contract, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I mean, look, at this point, what's she really fighting for, you know? She t- well, um, she told me she just loves it. She just loves it. And, yeah. and that's why she's doing it, so... But, you know, the thing here is, I mean, at this stage of the game for me, she's not an up-and-comer. She's been around for a long time, mm-hmm. held a belt, you know, all of that. But with this fight, and the reason why she moved to 125 is, like, look, she wasn't going to get a shot at 135. Right. It wasn't going to happen, right? Especially if Nunes wins tonight, there's going to be a third fight. Right. Um, you move down to 125. You get a big win over the number one contender. Mm-hmm. And the next fight, for sure, you're fighting for the championship. Correct. They would have given her the championship fight. In yeah, the they would have. Sure. Yep. Yeah. And if you watched uh, Shevchenko's fight, the last fight, you know, listen, I, won't, I think she won that fight, but a lot of people think she lost. But the thing is, in the post-fight, she was actually talking Misha Tate. And she was like, yeah, you know, I would fight her. And I think that's what made it really difficult for Tate is that she knew it was there. It was there for the taking. You win this fight and you got the championship fight. You're going to fight it probably at the Garden 2, no less, in November. That's when things would have lined up. And it was tough she lost. I, I felt for her, man. I know. So did I. I was very upset. Yeah, I saw your picture on your Twitter account of the Cross Island in the pouring rain. So oh, yeah. oh, yeah, it was, it was, uh, you know, that was in the, the parking lot. I couldn't even get out of the parking lot because it flooded. The only way oh, out yeah. oh, of the parking oh. lot flooded. Yes, listen, I passed that place every way on my way to work in the morning. I know what it's like there when it rains. I saw them building that place. Yeah, it but, was, um, it was yeah, brutal. Listen, you know, it was tough. I knew you were there. I figured, let me ask you a question about Misha. Did you talk to her after the fight? What did she say? No, not after the fight. Uh, she was being tended to, so not after the fight. But we did hang out the next day at Yankee Stadium. The Yankees took really good care of us the next day. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, she had a bad eye injury. It looked really rough for her. Yes. Um, yep. But, yeah, listen, just wanted to get your thoughts on that. I know you're friends with her and stuff like that. I was pulling for her, too. I would have loved to see her fight Shevchenko. Mm-hmm. That's actually my favorite fighter. And it would have been a good fight, yeah. you know. But, hey, be happy for her. She's had a great career. Yeah, That's yeah. Cool. David, thanks for the call there. Yeah, I just, um, you know, there's just some people that you just, I was just talking to, uh, yeah, I was, I was just I was just talking about this. I was just talking with, with Jack about this, like, you know when you like really work really well with somebody and you just really just mesh with somebody? That's Misha Tate for me. I just I just I cannot say enough good things about her. And actually I she asked me to bring her baby Ruth's the mini bag. Not like not the like the fun size ones, the mini ones. So I went out and found them. Um and they're still in my backpack because I didn't get to see her after the fight. So um I might have to rip those open tonight, though. <laughs> uh, let's go to uh, in Kensington, Connecticut. JD, you're up next on the fan. Good evening. How you doing? I'm good. How are you, JD? Moving right along here. I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Great show. You got me home from AC. Oh, I was nice. To- I want to cover a couple topics. The national, really quick recap. Were you there? Just- oh, yeah. How awesome. you doing? So, uh, two topics. The national, quick recap. And I just want to throw this out there. Juan Soto, Mets versus Yankees, who has the best trade package? So let's just start with the national. Anyone in the metro area that is a sports fan that's never been to a national, I'm in the industry. 
anyone that has kids to, to the grandfathers to you got to go. Um, you, you nailed it. It's a great experience. If you love sports, if you love just being around sports, it's great. The national will not be back in the East coast for four years now. It's going to be Chicago, Chicago next year. Yeah. And then what? Cleveland, Cleveland Ohio, uh-huh. then a West coast destination to be determined. It okay. looks like it's Vegas. Uh, I'm in the industry, so I'm kind uh-huh. of tied into it. Um, I kind of run the largest sports card show in New England at the Mass Mutual Center in, cool. in Massachusetts. And I do my trade night at the Basketball Hall of Fame. But go out there. It's one more day. It's not going to be back for four years. Take your whole family, grandpa, down to your kids. It's a great experience. So please uh, go out there before before you have to wait for four years until it's back. Yeah, it, it was a fun time. I was there on Wednesday. I mean, the stuff. I, I like stuff. I'm not really into cards, yeah. but I like things. Touching the stuff. Too. Yeah. People don't understand. Yes. Touching the Babe Ruth bat. And mm-hmm. just, I got a quick story for you. And if, if anybody, it's probably a lot of people listening, has been to the National uh, this past weekend. I, I got there on Thursday. I was coming home in the car. You got me home all the way to Connecticut. So I appreciate the, the knowledge. Your passion is unbelievable. Thanks. But a quick story. Um, there was a, a grandfather there with a son, probably his son is probably in his 40s, mm-hmm. and a couple of, um, you know, 10-year-old, 12-year-old grandkids, boys. And they're at a uh, vintage table. There's a lot of different tables, but uh, especially a vintage table. And the grandfather was looking at that mantle card that you're explaining yeah. to the group. Yep. And the 12-year-old kid said to the grandfather, um, this mantle, he's not as good as Mike Trout, is he? And the grandfather paused and said, buddy, Mike Trout has a lot of long way to go to get Michael to get to Mickey Mantle level. And <laughs> it's just a way that you can just share the hobby and just attach to generations. It's just it's just yep. a great feeling. Yep. Great thing. So, um, anyone out there, you know, so one day left, go out to the National. And if, if you miss that, you can come check me out in, Spring, in Springfield, Massachusetts at the New England Card Show. I have over 400 tables and a lot of great vendors that are there. Very will cool, be at my show. All right, so you want the, the Soto point. Here's the Soto thing. Yeah. And first of all, Mets fans, if you want to get in the conversation, call and, and then get into the conversation. There's a lot of Yankee passionate fans calling tonight. Call, get on the line, and share your thoughts. I'm going to give you the Mets. I'm going to give you the Yankees package, and I'm going to hand it over to you for the Mets package. But if the Yankees are going to make one big trade here, yeah. and, and I would not give up the package for Castillo, but I Correct. would give up a, a package for Soto. And here's my A package for Soto, okay? Mm-hmm. I would give up Peraza, Jason Dominguez. I would give up Glaber Torres, and they get to choose two or three B prospects for Juan Soto. Here's my reason why. I don't think they'd do it. First, uh, it they may, because that package right there would give basically the Nationals three projected starters and both relatively all young. But here's the reason why I think the Yankees should do it. Twofold. First of all, it would be a big boost going into the postseason, having Judge on a roll and Juan Soto in the lineup. Sure. Second reason is, and I think this is the bigger reason, he's he has two more years of control on his contract, and it gives them a really big security blanket if Judge decides to go to the West Coast. Right. And it is big as a hit. The, the other key motivation factor is the Mets. The Mets with Cohen is in are the, they're in the ball game now. They they're they're on the cusp right now and a big splash move would be big for the Mets. Um just like the Yankees. Uh with with the factor of judge potentially leaving. 
I could see is coming down to the deadline on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the New York teams is going to have the big surprise. Hoping it's the Yankees. But if I was going to turn it over to you right now, yeah. what path do you think would take to get the Mets to be in play and bring Soto to the Mets? Oh, J.D., good question there. And, and But here's the thing. And and it's going to probably start with their number one prospect. And and like in the Yankees package, it's going to start with, with Volpe, too. It's going to start with Francisco Alvarez, definitely. But here's the thing. The Nationals are for sale, right? So I don't think Soto is going to be traded at all. There, there's no reason for him to be forced out now at this juncture. I don't think he's going to be traded. I think he's going to be traded in, in the offseason once the sale is made. Because if you are acquiring, buying a team... You, you first of all, you, you want to have Soto on the team when you purchase it. Number one, okay, and and that's a that's a big sales pitch. Like, look, we have Juan Soto. He is the most clamored for player in the league. Look at all the offers that came in at the trade deadline. Right, that's a sales pitch, right? I'm not in sales, but that's kind of how I would do it. Then the prospective buyer says, okay, you know what? You know, we haven't been really good, so I'm going to trade Soto and and I'm going to trade him for a package that. I want that I feel is going to make my team better and my investment better. So in conclusion, I don't think they're trading Soto. Not now, not until that sale is made. I think this is all a way for them to garner the the nationals to garner the interest to, to see what teams are willing to give up to get him. So in that sense, I don't think, I don't think he's being moved. Not now. Not at the deadline. Kevin and Camden, you're up next here on The Fan. What's up, Coach? How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. Back in the midnight spot. This is like the old days again. <laughs> almost. Oh. Almost. It's pretty cool. Pretty cool. So I got um, Yankees and Mets. I want to discuss the uh, the Mets first. Uh, my, one thing for me, simple. Wilson Contreras. Yeah. I mean, the Mets need a catcher. Yeah. Uh, listen, Alvarez. Everybody's talking about him coming up. You know, let the kid develop a little more. I mean, yeah, he's got the offense, but, I mean, he needs to develop a little more defensively. You know, I watched him. You know, he's good offensively. He's great. But defensively, I think he needs to work on a little bit. Just let the kid develop a little bit. Get Wilson Wilson Contreras. One, it gives you the big bat you need. And... When, if you do that trade, you get David Robertson to this. Exactly, run, Kevin. You know I've been here. you know I've been singing this praise for how long now? That, that and I, I've been there. totally with you on it. Totally yep. with you on it. And I, and also for the um for the Yankees, I would also get Quintana. You were you were you and I are like we're in sync with this whole thing because I told you this a couple of weeks ago. I told you I would get him. Um, one is a lefty, a left-handed starter, which you don't you don't see the Yankees don't have that much of. That's one. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned the familiarity with, with Cole and with uh, Hall and all the Pittsburgh guys. But also, don't forget, he was signed by the Yankees as a, un, as a, as a free agent originally. So he originally started with the Yanks. But he just let him go as a minor league free agent. But it would be, it really will be going full circle for him. So, I mean, take his time If he's available, yeah, get him. Because, I, I, yeah, I agree with you about Montas. I mean, that's the – and then he's been hurt. Like, when he, also, when he's, when he's played, mm-hmm. he's gotten injured, too. So that's another thing that – Montas, I don't know. Like he's been good, but there's a lot of risk that I I wouldn't. And Kevin, we just got a little assist here from Vincent Russo on Twitter. He said, "Don't forget, Clay Holmes was also a pirate to a, to the Yankees." Yep, that's that's true. That's true. I saw this on Twitter last night, and I wanted to ask you this because there's a lot of Mets fans saying, "Oh yes," because on this on yesterday it was the anniversary of Wilmer Flores, the, the rumor trade yeah. to uh-huh. the Brewers. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of Mets fans last night. Oh, bring back Wilmer. Listen. What? 
Uh, and Bartolo <laughs> Colon while we're at it. Come on. Anyway, they were Mexico. Oh, bring back Wilmer. Would you bring him back? Like, there were people asking this Twitter. Would you bring back Wilmer Flores? First off, the Giants are not going to trade Wilmer Flores. The Giants, are, the Giants are still in the hunt. They're not going to trade him. And if, even if they were, listen, Wilmer's a great guy, but we don't need him again. So there are some really, there's some Mets fans that really believe that Wilmer Flores can be had. Listen, I just said it. I love Wilmer, but time has passed. It's time to get this team, to get, get some more guys for the bench. But like I said, Contreras and Robertson, get those guys for the Mets. And that's what the Mets need to do. And the Yankees just get Quintana. And, you know, hopefully do something else bigger, but. Those are my two main moves for, for the two of them. So. Right. And, Kevin, great points there. And don't forget that the Yankees already got Benintendi, who was my number one target from the beginning. From the beginning. Are we going to take a quick break here? Uh, and how about this? Um, I'll leave it at this, and then we'll get into it, that I cannot believe, following this Subway series, I cannot believe what I saw on Twitter from hosts here on this station after the Subway series. I'm Danielle McCartan with you till 2 on WFAN New York City. After midnight, like the old days, as Kevin said, here on The Fan in New York City. Now, everybody knows that we just exited a, a the, the first half, I should say, the first two games, two of four of the Subway Series. And I know it was electric because I was there working the clubhouse and working the field out there at City Field in Queens. All to bring the best content back to you, my loyal listener, which you've already got a glimpse of, right? So if you think you're hearing the voices of Garrett Cole, Pete Alonzo, Buck Showalter, Brandon Nimmo, and Todd Frazier throughout my show tonight, no, you're not imagining it. I got one-on-ones with all of them. Only the best for you at all times. You have my word. So it was the first time in history that... Both teams had faced off against each other while being in first place in their respective divisions. So, obviously, there was a little juice in this series. And, I mean, there were people tailgating in the City Field lots, or maybe they weren't owned by City Field, but in the parking lots surrounding City Field. When I got there at 2 p.m. on a Tuesday afternoon, I mean, like, what? Uh, you saw the news trucks. and It, it, was, it was, it was, it felt Exciting as I pulled in, it felt like the center of the baseball world as I was as I was there. So let's look at this from both perspectives because this is not a fanboy or I guess a fangirl show, as you probably already know and have figured out. But from a Mets perspective, some Mets fan hosts around here are, are acting like the team just won the World Series right there in the month of July. And I hate to break it to you. But in case you forgot, and I know 1986 was so long ago that I wasn't even born yet. But in case those Mets fans forgot, that World Series trophy, it's earned in the fall, not in the dog days of summer. So no, unfortunately, the Mets did not win the World Series this past week. But if you've been tuned on to this station and and on Twitter, you might have thought so. And a word to the wise Don't be fooled by the fanboys and the fangirls. But what the Mets did do in those two games against the Yankees was 19 hits. They scored nine runs. They walked it off on Wednesday night in the bottom of the ninth. Oh, and did I mention the Mets did that all against the team with the best record in baseball at the time. And as soon as Marte's walk-off single happened, I tweeted, quote, small ball wins 
big games, end quote. And perhaps the Yankees should take a page out of the Mets book here. Escobar hit that leadoff double. Tomas Nito laid down a sacrifice bunt, like what? And moved Escobar to third, which eventually set up the game-winning single for Marte. Easy. I mean, put it in the books. Seriously. The regular season books, not the World Series books. But from a Mets perspective, there was a lot to take away from that Subway Series. The timely hitting, the four-out performance from Diaz, Max Scherzer's reliable workhorse dominance. Did I miss anything? Give me a call, 877-337-6666. Mets takeaways from the Subway Series. And now we move to a Yankee perspective. I mean, the Yankee fan hosts out here are, are acting like getting swept in, in two of two games at City Field is not a big deal. Well, well, it actually is. And I'll give you three quick reasons why some takeaways from the Yankees from that Subway Series. A, there was only one run of the Yankees' measly five that were scored not via the home run. That's a problem for the postseason. And, and again... This is before Benintendi came to town. B, Jordan Montgomery, who realist, I mean, if the season ended today, he, he he's probably your number two starter in a, in a postseason series, right? I mean, he got lit up by the Mets hitters. That's a problem for the postseason. And again, before Benintendi arrived, the Yankees offense, C, was 0 for 15 with runners in scoring position. That against the Mets in the Subway Series. That's a problem for the postseason. So any intelligent Yankee fan would realize that the takeaways from this game, a true litmus test against a top opponent in the Mets, of where it's it's where this team is at. And it's it's not all rosy like some hosts here like to point out. And you know, I actually saw a Yankee fan host ask if it was football season yet, once the Mets took the lead in one of these games. I mean are we serious here? That had to have been a joke, right? And and this. You told KFC to at you. So here's the at Keith McPherson. This is not personal. And I need you to know that getting behind the mic here on the fan, the radio network of the New York Yankees, and flippantly saying, quote, I don't think the Yankees came into these two games trying to step right up and beat the Mets, end quote, and, quote, might as well have been a spring training games, end quote. I think it's just simply irresponsible and insulting on so many levels to the integrity of the Yankees and the Mets players playing in those games to the management of the team, to the coaching staff, and really to the listeners of this legendary station. Uh, and, and before I forget your line of, we'll just roll out there with without John Carlo. Well, really, they didn't have a choice. I mean, if you paid any attention, you would have known that he was put on the IL Tuesday afternoon. As I, It was like 2 p.m. because I remember I, was, I parked my car, and I was about to turn it off, and Carton and Roberts broke the news right then and there. I was like, oh, I'm going to leave this on for a second before I get out and run inside. So, no, they didn't have the choice. They put him on the IL on Tuesday, retroactive to the 24th. That wasn't a move to prevent the team from beating the Mets in that so-called spring training game, as you said it was. He's hurt. And, again, it's it's not personal, Keith. But I must say, 
That was as big as a clown take on that series as there can be. And this is precisely why I lost it on Frank from wherever he was from last weekend. Maybe he's still tuned in. But if you missed it, this guy Frank first told me that I said Isaiah Kiner-Falefa was a great shortstop. I did not. And once he gave up on that, he tried to hold me accountable for, in his words, what the rest of the hosts are saying. No, the rest is not me. Do not lump me in with these takes, please. So anyway, with the trade deadline looming, there was lots to take away from the Subway Series for both sides in both boroughs. And of course, the Yankees made the first quote-unquote big splash in landing Andrew Benintendi literally 10 minutes after that Met game ended. A player, as you know, I've been calling for by name for the better part of two months. Great move by the Yankees. It's clear and obvious where he should be hitting in that lineup. And Friday night and today, he was not in the leadoff spot. But otherwise, what's there not to love about this guy? I mean, prior to the trade, he had not made a single error in 157 chances this season. I mean, I, I know Aaron Boone loves to tout Joey Gallo's glove, but he's ha- he has one error so far this season. Benintendi, again, had none at the time of the trade. Prior to the trade, Benintendi was in the, the 90th percentile in strikeout percentage, which Yankees are in the middle of the pack of strikeouts per game. And again... Benintendi's spray chart is a thing of beauty, a modern marvel, a work of art. It belongs in the Guggenheim. It's a total, total upgrade. So, come on. Come on, man. The Yankees did not try to lose those games, and no, they were not spring training games. Come on. Dave in Westchester, you're up on the fan. Hey, what's going on? What's up, Dave? All right, so a couple couple points I want to make. So, uh, you know, the Mets-Yankees series, I've heard a lot of different takes, and I agree with I was actually listening to Keith. I love Keith. I was listening to him when he said that, and it just blows my mind. Brutal. You know, like, for sure, it's disrespectful to the Yankees organization to say that, you know, uh, Boone wasn't trying by putting Gallo out there, whatever it was. By, not really by pitching Montgomery. Dave, let me tell you something. By pitching Montgomery, I was in the clubhouse. Him and Jose Trevino yeah. were, had their heads buried in binders and information. I mean, the, the you know, yeah. busy clubhouse for, for at least an, over an hour before yeah. that game started. They weren't yeah. trying? Come on. No, exactly. I was And I was at both games, and, and it was an incredible experience take away from it, we'll look back on it. You know, there's a lot of Yankee fans and a lot of uh, voices out there who have said, you know, it, it's no big deal. And just like you said, I agree. I'm a diehard Mets fan. I'm not, it's not a World Series. Do I love the fact that we, you know, swatted the Yankees out of our stadium? Yes. Love it. Enjoy it. You know, we'll needle my friends until next month and hopefully, you know, get two out of there. But the more important thing I take away from it is this. You know, the Mets, the, the Mets are destined to get to the postseason. You know, uh, and, and when I look at, at what they have an opportunity to do in big games and what they've done in a lot of big games uh, this season, aside from against the, the Padres, unfortunately, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's, they're there. And they're not going to let you just, just beat them. Yeah. And when I look at the Yankees, they're 2-7 and seven against the Houston Astros and the New York Mets. Most likely their uh, AL championship series and possible World Series 
uh, competition. Right. Dave, this uh, is so, this is what I know? said. I, I remember sitting here watching on the West Coast, on the TV here in the studio, when the Mets played the Dodgers. I said, this is yeah. going to be the final four, if you will. Dodgers, oh. Mets, Astros, Yankees. I said it long ago. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, Houston, Houston looks like they're the top right now just because they also have beat the Mets, you know, uh, since we played them. But, um, you know, I'm really waiting just to see, and I'm hoping Stevie pulls something out of somewhere and, you know, makes that splash happen, whether it's, you know, Contreras and Robertson or J.D. Martinez or, you know, uh, heaven help me, a, a Shea, you know, Otani or a Soto or something like that. And for sure, I'll tell you right now, you can have the whole farm system for someone like Soto. Where pick, pick and choose, give me an offer, you can have it. I'll just say yes. It's so he's 23 years old and he's a top 10 player in the league. Yeah, for so he's got the money to pay him. Right, you right. Just pay him. Yeah, Dave. You know, like, it, it, some of the stuff doesn't make sense to me. It's I like know. The judge stuff too. You know, like right. It just doesn't make sense. Just pay the man. Yep. Pay the man and let him play the game and and, and let the fans enjoy. Like it's not like you're not making money. Right. You could pay judge. You could you could literally give judge. $500 million over the next 10 years, and you will not lose money. The Yankees will not be a losing, you know, they will not be in the red yep. if they do something like that. No, I, I don't suggest doing that, obviously. I'll of, of course, that. of course. But you know what I'm saying. I do. They're not going to be in the red. So, and, to me, it gets to a point where it's just silly. I know. And, and this, this, and Dave, thanks for the call. I got to hit break. But, and I, w- I will say real quickly that this, this, this luxury tax, the inability or the unwillingness to go, to, to, to exceed it, uh, it's kind of crazy when you've got a guy like Juan Soto who could be potentially knocking on your door to come and play here, and they won't do it because they won't do Judge and Soto and Cole. I mean, here's the thing. John Sterling, I was listening on the radio real quick, and, and Brian's going to kill me, but I was listening to the radio real quick uh, in the game, and it was like the eighth inning. I was on my way here, and, and John Sterling and uh, Aaron, Bo- Aaron Judge was due up. And John made an observation. He's like, Susan, no one's really leaving yet because they want to they see Judge get up. And then Susan was like, yeah, well, if this is your one game to see, if, you know, you're coming to one game, you know, you do want to stick around for him in the bottom of the eighth. So then, you know, concessions. And John said concessions may, you know, you might stay at the team store a little longer or whatever. So absolutely, he he, he is a complete draw for this team. They, they won't be operating in the red, of course. Uh, but, hey, I'm no financial advisor. All right. Uh, we have to take a quick break. I'm Danielle McCartan. Get at me. 877-337-6666. Brian's standing by. Um, I'm with you till 2, and Shane Spencer will join us at one twenty. Welcome back to McCartan After Midnight here on The Fan in New York City. We're talking Subway Series. Takeaways from both teams and where to go from here. Uh, what is your takeaway from the Subway Series? We'll get into that. Um, Oh, oh uh, Brian, I forgot to ask you on the break. Did you have the? Did Connor leave up the queue ups for the the Garrett Cole and the Brandon Nimmo audio? Yeah, great. Okay, good. Because we'll start uh, Garrett Cole at I think one twenty two. I think it was, and we'll start Brandon Nimmo at three oh three for these clips. Okay, so you know, obviously the Mets and the Yankees game Wednesday night was the most watched MLB regular season weeknight game in ESPN in fifteen years. It peaked with 2.8 million viewers at 10.15 p.m. So there's clearly an interest on a, a New York-New York matchup potentially in the World Series now, right? Especially in the fall. So I posed the question during the Subway Series to one Yankee, one Matt. I was working the clubhouse, working the field. Uh, I think this is the right spot. Uh, Brian, go ahead and, and click uh, the Garrett Cole one. Is this a precursor to October? I was just talking about Oh, to my goodness. You know, I, I didn't answer one of those questions at the All-Star game, so I think I'm just going to stay consistent and, like, you know, we got to get there before we, before we think about the National League. But um, they have a great team, uh, and 
So I, I expect him to be playing pretty deep in October, to be honest. And here's what uh, I, then I walked over to the Mets side. Or actually, the Mets was first, then the Yankees opened up. But Brendan Nimmo had this to say. This is the first time both your teams are in first place in their respective divisions. Is this a precursor to maybe potentially, I don't know, a Subway World Series? You know, it would be awesome. That would be so great for New York, and that would be so great um, for both franchises, you know, and I think it would be good for the game of baseball as well. But um, first things first, you know, we got to take care of business day to day here. Um, you know, if we don't take care of business each day, um, you know, for the rest of the season, then uh, then there will be no 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 October. And so, um, you know, we're trying to focus on today, but we we definitely have thought about that as well, and would love for uh, love for a Subway Series in the World Series as well. I would too. And before we continue with this, I just got breaking news: Amanda Nunez defeats Juliana Pena by unanimous decision. And that's to regain the UFC bantamweight title. Oh, I just don't like Amanda Nunez because Misha doesn't like her. So, ah, oh, man. But anyway, so it sounds like Garrett Cole and Brandon Nimmo are for it, and so am I. And if it happens right now, as both rosters are currently constructed right now, on, on July 31st, as it ticks to July 31st, and I know there's still time at the deadline, so maybe this will change next week, but... If it were to be played right now, the Subway World Series, I'm picking the Mets. Their starting pitching as of right now is just so much more trustworthy in a short series than the Yankees. I mean, who's the Yankees' number two starter? It's it's Montgomery, really, right? I hope they're working on it. I do hope so. So let's go to the calls, 877-337-6666. Christopher in Vermont has been hanging on. Go ahead, Christopher. Hey, how are you tonight? Great, how are you? Good, so... My take, and oh, first off, first off, and I do want to talk about this subway series. Sure. But first off, I mean, enough cannot be said about Susan Waldman. Um, just going back to her roots with WFAN, I mean, um, and and now, I mean, almost 40 years later, uh, just what, you know, her consistency, um, you know, her st- just a steadfast um, just approach to the way, you know, that in broadcasting, um, and I think it even goes even further to how good she is with her New England accent and hmm. history that she steps in and broadcasts the Yankees. And, and you know, I, I, and I'm a Mets fan, but I also I worked for the I worked for Legends, which, you know, the company owns half by the Yankees, half by the Cowboys. Um, so, I mean, you know, having somewhat a unique perspective and having worked for the Yankees, but, um, you know, a big time Mets fan. And I can just tell you that where, you know, with Susan Waldman, it, you know, it doesn't matter her roots. She's so good at what she does mm-hmm. that, and obviously her having ties to WFN for, you know, 30 years ago. But, it, you know, just an amazing um, story of hers. And, you know, I, forget about John Sterling. What is the color position going to be without Susan Walton? Yeah. And, and, where, and, you know, and where do you go in three, four, five, six years? Hopefully she'll be around for another, you know, six, seven, eight years. Where do you go from there? I mean, there is going to be a tremendous void um, left by uh, Susan Waldman yeah. uh, when, when, when that time comes. So, uh, you know, certainly we'll have a lot of time to talk about that. But I want to give you this take on, on the subway series. Sure. So, so I have all these Mets fans now, and it's exactly what you said. You even have radio hosts chomping at the bit. You know, we want a piece of the Yankees in the World Series. You know what? I just don't see, and this is, you know, I trade stocks like Stevie Cohen, and Stevie Cohen looks at it, things a certain way, and I understand where he does. What is the upside 
to wanting to play the Yankees. If the Mets happen to beat the Yankees in the World Series, it, it, to me, that doesn't even things up. The Yankees, this is the most lopsided intra-league matchup in, the, in, in all baseball. No team has dominated another in intra-league like the Yankees have dominated the Yankees in a win-loss percentage. Um, so, you know, I just don't think that that's something that you really need to beg for right now. My take is that, um, listen, you had Max Scherzer. Uh, you know, this is the best pitcher of recent memory. Sure. Um, maybe outside of Verlander. And so, you know, you, you won that game that you should have won. And, you know, the team is playing very, very well. And let's just face it, you know, the Mets just don't have the history of the Yankees. Are. So it, well, that's fine. You know, Christopher, it's Christopher, not- Christopher, that's all fine and good. I'm not begging for it. I'm not begging for a Subway Series, but it sure as hell is a lot more fun around here when there is one. And we're going to get another chance at this when it moves to the Bronx a little later in the month here. Uh, let's go to Greg in Manhattan. You're up next here on The Fan, Greg. Go ahead. Yes, hi, Danielle. Hi. First time, long time. Oh, thank you. Big fan of you. Truly enjoy your shows. Thank you, thank you. And I am so glad that you brought up Keith's comments because they've been on my mind. Um, first of all, my take, he was, he was just completely off his game that night. Um, what do you mean? I'm a big, that you can't, well, that's irresponsible. Off your game. What do you mean well, off your game? You should never be off your game here on the station. Never. Well, we all have our bad times. I, uh, no, <laughs> I, I make sure that I bring it every single night that I'm here. But well, I guess good, that's just me. Well, good for you. Anyway, for, yeah. in addition to his comments, you quoted, I expect I expected a show after a sweep in which Mets fans would call in and celebrate, expressing their euphoria. Conversely, I, I would have um, I would have expected that if the Yanks had swept, they would be calling in and, and uh, celebrating. And I, I guess I expected what Steve Summers used to do at that hour, you know, and just allow and run a show that way. But anyway, instead, he basically – Diminish the importance of the game. Which is silly. I'm sorry? Which is, it's silly to do that. Yeah, it, it really was. It was it was humiliating. Yep. Pa- you know, patronizing the Mets fans. Yep. Basically rained on the Mets parade. And as, as such, he came off like a, a sore loser, which I, I, think, I think is the opposite of what he would have wanted to portray well, we don't know that we you know we don't know him so we don't know yeah, what he no, was no i i don't I mean, and again i i'm i'm saying all this as a big fan of his show and i and i was just taken that night so hopefully i thought i thought it was a one-off well we'll see about that but when when i look at you know these players preparing 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 for this game and, and to be called out for not trying to win the game come on man come on man michael and brookhaven you're up next here on the fan Good afternoon. Good evening. Good afternoon. How Good morning. <laughs> Let's get them all out of the way. <laughs> Somewhere. Um, you know, just kind of reflecting on the two games, I, I, you know, I think you brought up a lot of good points. I just think it's also interesting the way, you know, just the pitchers were set up coming out of the All-Star break for the Yankees where, you know, you had Domingo Herman, you know, come making his season debut against the Astros last week and then having to be matched up against Max Scherzer. But to give up only two runs or seven strikeouts and, you know, the Mets, runs for Scherzer and the Yankees did tie it up and I think the bullpens I think the Yankee bullpen pretty much you know did what they've been doing most of the year with a few different guys stepping up in their place you know only giving up a couple runs in two games runners in scoring position has been the problem and I think you brought that up pretty well and I think you know you're even seeing it in these last two games for the Yankees you know just having a contact hitter like Ben Attendee as opposed day. to someone trying to hit you know and, and listen 
There's been a lot of games this year, and, you know, you talked about the Yankees being in the middle of the pack in strikeouts. Well, they were at the very bottom pretty much last year, and the base running's been better. The Mets' base running's been better. Both teams, I think, are better defensively than they were a year ago. Oh, this is a fun summer, Michael. and, and, And I think what's important, and, you know, I like watching great pitchers, and New York, this, you know, the Mets have had Tom Seaver. We saw, you know, the end of Pedro. Um, you know, we've seen, and we're seeing Max, and we've seen Jacob. It's, it's rare for, the, for New York teams to have one of the two or three best pitchers in the sport, and it's great to see Scherzer up close. My biggest concern for the Mets is, and this is a genuine one, it's not, you know, I, I think I love Buck Showalter. I personally wanted him to be brought on as a Yankee manager this year. It's just how are you going? Is Degrom and Scherzer going to be on the mound in October? That's always what it's going to be about. Yep. Is, can these two guys be there? Because you know when they're there, you know what you're getting. Unfortunately, with the Yankees, as the greatness of Garrett Cole is there in flashes, but as you saw in Baltimore last weekend, you mm-hmm. saw it last night against the Royals. He and you've seen it against the Red Sox too. He'll be cruising along, and then one little thing doesn't go perfect. You know, a little bloop here, a little miscued defensively. We saw that last night. Mm -hmm. And then there's just always an implosion, and he wears his emotions when he gives up those home runs. He spins around. He puts his head down. Mm -hmm. And what frustrates me is, you know, Scherzer, we know the record. He's won a World Series. He's won three Cy Youngs. He's going to the Hall of Fame. And Cole is being paid to do what Max did on Wednesday. And I just don't have that 100% confidence. I don't have that feeling I had when David Cohn took the mound in October. Right, or Andy Andy Pettit and and all the Yankee legends. I I completely understand it and I completely get it. And actually, when the Yankees were playing the Astros in the postseason, I was on here and, and I'm looking at the Astros starting rotation and I'm like, I said it, it's on tape. You can go back and find it. I said, out of these guys, Garrett Cole's the one that you can beat. In a big game, Garrett Cole's the one you can beat. I, I swear, I swear, you can go back and find it if you really have no time on your hands. But take my word for it. <laughs> um, can we do one more, Brian, you think? All right, we got Ken in Queens. Ken, the king of Queens. <laughs> Ken, you're up on the phone. How you doing, Danielle? Good, how are you? Oh, boy, you got to some set of guts, boy, bringing that up about Keith Bissasson, because I never listened to his show, number one. He's an arrogant Yankee fan. He's, I call him the second coming of Michael K, a real homer. And then Spike, if you're listening, put Danielle on his slot and get rid of this guy. That's how I feel, Danielle. Ken, I appreciate your passion on that. Thank you. Do you have a, <laughs> do you have a Mets point? <laughs> yeah, the Mets. I'm hoping they come up with somebody, uh, another hitter, because J.D., I don't trust J.D. Davis. They need at least two bullpen arms, preferably one lefty, if not even two lefties I'll take. And then uh, we'll see what happens. I mean, you know, I'm a, I'm a passionate Met fan, mm-hmm. and I don't like to hear a guy, you know, say games are meaningless in in the end of the dog days of July. Yeah, That's no, they're not meaningless. Statement. Yeah, right. They mean things. I, I, these games mean things, and it's you know maybe not in the in the in the, in the standings per se, you know, in each league or whatever, yeah. but they mean things. The takeaways. It, there's a lot to be had. These are the two two of the four best teams in Major League Baseball. Of course, there's stuff to take away from this. Yeah, and 
Danielle, I really appreciate you having the guts to bring it up. And like I said, Spike, if you're listening, put in. I'll guarantee you a year from now you'll be in his slot. I'll guarantee that. Okay. Wow. Is this Joe Namath on the phone? <laughs> you know, that's funny. Actually, we, me and my dad were watching Jeopardy before and there was a clue about Super Bowl three and, and, and Jack's here and, and, and in the studio, Jack is ready to do his update. Um, but there was a clue about, um, I guess the answer was Joe Namath. It was like, Oh, this reporter, whatever the guy's name photographed this quarterback sitting by the pool. Obviously as sports fans, we knew it was Joe Namath. And then he flipped, my dad flipped back to the Met game, and they're talking about the Orange Bowl and Joe Namath in Super Bowl three. And, and it was kind of just, I looked at him, I was like, that's kind of weird that, that that clue was just on. And then the Mets game, Wayne and, and Steve are talking about it right now. Where did Joe Namath go to college? Alabama. Okay. Were they talking about Alabama on the Mets broadcast? What was, yeah. the, what was the context the there? The context was know. that they were saying that the new Marlins stadium was built upon the uh, the old Rose Bowl. Okay. I mean, Orange the Bowl. Orange, Orange Bowl Stadium. Interesting, interesting. I never knew that. Yeah, I didn't either. That's me and my dad were like, you know, enthralled by watching this. Yeah. So it's kind of weird. All right. Well, listen. Get it today. No diggity, no doubt. I'm Daniel McCarr with you till two here on the fan. Fliegelman comes your way then, Mike Fliegelman. Um, yeah, we're getting we're getting into the nitty gritty of this Subway Series thing. There was obviously things to take away from both teams. It, they were not exhibition games. They were not spring training games, and the games were not meaningless to either team. Believe me, I was there in the clubhouse on the field. It meant a lot to those players, especially with all the media types like myself hovering around. I mean, every channel was there. All the sports anchors were there. It wasn't like they weren't trying. That's insulting. It's just insulting all the way around, all the way up from the organizations themselves to the to, to the listener, to you, the listener. It's just it's just a oh, I just can't. I just can't. And I wish I was on sooner to, to be able to talk about the subway series. But obviously, this is my this is my first crack at it on uh, you know now Sunday morning. So um, there it is. So, yeah, those games mean something to both teams. Lots of takeaways from both. Um, and on this old-timers day 2022 at Yankee Stadium, of course, um, Shane Spencer was a first-time, quote-unquote, old-timer. And uh, this is pre-recorded. He's not waking up at 1.20 in the morning to join us, but I pre-recorded a little segment with him, and he'll be joining us, uh, or we'll be playing this within the next, I don't know, 15 minutes or so. All right. We'll go back to your calls at 877-337-6666. Brian's standing by. I want to hear about your Subway Series takes. Trade deadline acquisitions for the Yankees. Trade deadline acquisitions for the Mets. I gave you who I think. I want to hear what you think as well. And you can tweet me at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N on, um, on Twitter, on Instagram, and Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan as well. Uh, in the order that you called, let's go Robbie and Phoenix. Go ahead. You're up on the fan. Morning, morning. Love to hear from you. Uh, before I get into uh, the Subway Series, sure. you want to know how to make the Yankee lineup hit? You take out Donaldson, you take out Hicks, and you take out Agashioka, and you never put Gallo in there ever again. Robbie, one more That's time. Go through, make that, the lineup go through that a little bit slower. Yes, do that. Put in Gallo. Okay. You get rid of Donaldson, mm -hmm. you get rid of Hicks, and no Agashioka. That hitting lineup will improve immediately. Yeah, the problem is. I want to see. What are you doing with Donaldson, though? 
Uh, they, it's real simple that you let them go and you put DJ at third base, mm-hmm. Rizzo at first, especially for October. And yeah. Now, you have to admit, he's not hitting, he's not performing. That's clear. And my second thing about the Subway Series, I was it was amazing how Buck Walter outmanaged Boone. You knew yes. when yes. the Mets had that guy on second base, yep. Shaw Walter was bunting that ball. Yep. I knew it, you knew it, the whole stadium knew it. Yep. Aaron Boone is not a good manager. He only goes by numbers. Show Wal- and let me ask you this. Do you think Shaw Walter would ever have Joey Gallo pitch hit in a critical situation? Well, the explanation he gave, uh, you know, you got to believe it, what he said, right? No. You don't believe it. Well, he- then that's the thing. He was hitting 160, and Joey Gallo is on the course striking out over 200 types. And here's the thing. They really screwed up with Andujar because you could have had Andujar playing and building up his trade value. Well, first of all, here's here's what Boone and, – and I agree with you. Yes, I do agree with you there. Boone's reasoning for pinch hitting Gallo. Uh, he said – this is Boone – quote, it's not about getting a hit in that situation. It's about getting on, and you're up against it there with two outs, taking a shot at the long one there – that's the Otto Vito component. Otto's pretty tough against righties. To me, it's an on-base situation. And I felt like Joey gives us a shot at that. And then Boone really? also Boone also said he wanted to force the Mets to bring in their closer for four outs. Okay. I'm not trying to be funny. I would rather give the usher in the stadium a shot than Joey Gallo right now. I'm not trying to be nasty. Sure, that's fine. But he's on his way out. He Yeah, he's and that was now. Show Walter would never do that. Would you agree? Show Walter would never even think to do that. Um, no, Show Walter would not do that. No. Okay, thank no. you. Yeah, and Aaron, Boone, and Aaron where, Boone was outmanaged too because you know bringing in, uh, he tried to force them to bring in Diaz early. Why? Why would you want to force you know the hand to face the best closer in the league and out early? I mean, come on, it was silly. Right. Now, I'll, now, I want to ask you a question. What would George think about Gallo right now? I don't know. I don't know George. I never knew him. I never talked George to him. George Steinbrenner. Never met him. He he would be killing him every night. I, I promise you, George would have been killing him every night. Look, you have to get these four guys out. I don't want to see him. And, and Hicks has been terrible. Oh, yeah. Can we agree on that? Yeah, oh, yes. Oh, yes. So, yep. it's time when... It's time when Stanton comes back, he takes the field, Judge in center, and Benetetti in left or right. I cannot see Hicks anymore. Yeah, we agree on that, Robbie. We agree on that. I cannot see any more of Aaron Hicks either. Double play today, right? I mean, threatening, threatening, and then no more threatening. Uh, Charlie in Brooklyn. You're up next here on The Fan. Go ahead. Uh Uh-oh, Charlie, are you there? Uh, All right, I got to let you go. People get frustrated with this. Charlie, just give us a call back, and I'll get you right back on, okay? Uh, Mike in Brooklyn, you're up next. Go ahead. Hey, what's going on? This really is ridiculous. I mean, Garrett Cole is supposed to be the number one starter for the New York Yankees, Mm -hmm. and he is pitching like poop. He was never the pitcher he was in Houston present day. The spider touch, I really think, has taken a toll on him. He, we used to be able to use the sticky stuff. He no longer is able to. And it has shown in his performance, period. Yeah. The other night, I watched him pitch 
against the Kansas City Royals. Now, the Kansas City Royals is not a team to be reckoned with. They are a bottom league team. They are the bottom of the barrel. Essentially a triple-A team at the MLB level, yeah. It is disgraceful that Garrett Cole has a problem with the Kansas City despite Aaron Judge's performance, despite the lineup performing at top tier. Garrett Cole basically crapped the bed. He did not perform the way an all-star pitcher should. And for that reason, I really have no more faith in Garrett Cole. The wild card, he didn't do well. Mm -hmm. He really did not do the Yankees any justice. This year, he's still, despite his ERA being great, his strikeouts being great, he has not performed the way he should. So, Mike, what's what's I'm a solution based show. What's what's the solution to that? Now, what what do you what what are you gonna do? What are you gonna move? What moves are you gonna make? Luis Castillo's off the market. Then what? What are you gonna do? We need to find better pitching. Do you have a, do, you, do you have a, a name? Bullpen, our bullpen is not what it should be. If there's no secret that our starters are slacking, okay? The the proof is in the pudding. However, we need to go out and we need to get better closers. We need to get better relievers. All right. We are never All right. well, Clay Holmes is one of the best closers in the league. I'm not saying okay. He's a very he's above average. He's very good. Clay Holmes is very good. I mean, he's not Edwin Diaz, but he's very good. So, all right, pitching, I can agree with you. And for starting pitching, I'm going to recommend Jose Quintana based on my research. I'm not going the Frankie Montas route, uh, only because I think Quintana would be uh, uh, cheaper. And I love the fact that he cut his fielding independent pitching number basically in half from last season, and it is almost off the charts excellent. If you're not familiar with that, it's basically it's 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 a it's a formula. It's a number that takes like when you when you think of like a good pitcher on on a bad team, it takes the the bad team quote unquote the fielders away from it. So like you're looking at essentially just the pitcher and what he can do. So um, I know he's on the Pittsburgh Pirates, which which stinks for him, but it only means he's going to get better. For, uh, he's going to look better, at least, on, on a better team like the New York Yankees. I mean, what, what's better than that? Um, but if it's not Quintana, I, I guess it's going to have to be Montas for the right price. Uh, my concern with him is that, you know, his average innings per season is 177. Uh, coming off a career-high 187 last year, and he's already at, what, 105 innings already this season? That's – it's – um. It's concerning, and it's part of the, the the boat that a lot of the Yankee starters are in. I mean, Nestor Cortez is already over the innings limit, um, already. And I shouldn't say innings limit. It, he's exceeded his uh, highest innings total per season pitch in his career. Like, exceeded it. Like, gone beyond beyond it. And you're already starting to see the management happen uh, from, from that end. Uh, you know, he pitched, what, five innings earlier on Saturday? And then he was taken out. That's part of the management plan. All right, Stuart in Brooklyn, go ahead. You're on the fan. Long time no speak. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm a little annoyed with uh, the fact that uh, Joey Gallo is still here. Yep. Should be, he should not be here. The fact that they didn't cast, get Castillo, the excuse was uh, they're waiting on Severino. That's not an excuse. You should got to go out and get another starting pitcher. And I agree with that caller about Garrett Cole. 
Yeah, it's it's clear it's clear and obvious. He, he's very wildly inconsistent between start to start. Yes, he could yes, be great, and he could be like, uh oh, what's going on here? It, I don't it, trust him. Yes. I never did, and I never thought he was worth that money that mm-hmm. they gave him. He is a, a little bit above average. He's not an ace. We don't have an ace. Okay, and the simple fact is they have to get. Um, Donaldson, he's been good defensively. He's not hitting. And then now it's starting to show that he's a little bit disgruntled and he's, it's starting to set in on him. Mm-hmm. And uh, Higgy, I don't know. Higgy left the home runs in Florida when he hit the seven. Yeah, but they, they, just, love, they just love pitching to him. He call, They think he calls a great game. I mean, you know, in a lineup about, like that, you, know, you could swallow a bat like that, you would think. Rubino was just as is good. Yes, true. Yeah, he is. He's, he's, been he's good. an all-star. Yes, he is. You know? And, and, and what's with the batting averages, Danielle? They have the batting averages are pathetic. Yeah. Every, everybody's hitting 220, 230. Oh, Judge is up near 300, isn't he? He's at three. I think he's either at 301 or 300. Yeah. But he's the only one. And kind of for up has been a surprise. He's been about 275. Yeah. Nobody expected that, especially the way he started the season. Well, I kind of did, though. I would have to say I kind of did because he's a guy who puts bat to ball. He's got bat and to ball skills. And, and I, like, I don't want to say yeah. I was expecting 275, but I was expecting him to hit for average, yeah. Some guys yeah. do and some guys don't, you know. And and, and, uh, and DJ's been getting hot again. Yeah. He's been hitting the ball. And um, I'm happy for that. But the thing is, Rizzo, 220. I mean, these guys are batting 220, and they say, I mean, hear them say they're having great seasons. What? What are you talking about, great seasons? And these guys strike out, and they say the strikeout means nothing. Oh, I remember when Mickey Mantle struck out 125 times in the season that they would be screaming at him. And I remember, I don't remember the year, but Yogi Berra one year struck out eight times. Yeah. These guys do it in two games. I know, Stuart. It's just different now, and I don't agree with it. It's just, it, it is, you know, the way it is. I mean, even, I, I mean, I don't think I'm, I'm, you know, I'm clearly not Yogi Berra age or Mickey Mantle age, obviously, right? So, you know, I'm 34 years old, and I remember a time, uh, through when I played in high school, still to this day, when I strike out, it is like the worst thing ever. I hate to freaking strike out. I hate it. But it's just, you'd have to, I guess, just accept it because that's the way baseball is gone. Let's go to Mark in Milltown, New Jersey. Mark, go ahead. Hey, what's up, Coach? How are you? I'm the guy who met you with the guy with the bag on his head, remember? Oh, yeah, yeah, at the at MetLife Stadium. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I love I, how you I, preface I, this every time you call in. I love that. <laughs> enough, enough of this Mets and Yankees stuff. Let's talk some Giants football. Let's do it. I'm, I'm game. Kadarius Tony is looking good. He is. He is actually looking good. You know what, I Mark, and, and I thought about this. First of all, Brian Dable, did you see what he's doing? Yeah, he's building the offense, build, building mm. the offensive line, building up the offense. Sure, but Mark, he's playing Kadarius Tony's music at practice. He's got the buy-in already from Tony, and you're uh, going to yeah. see a different player this season. I'm telling you. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I hope so. I, I, I hope he. Stops focusing less on the music and a little more on football. That's yeah, and that was the concern from the beginning. And I think now that he's got a coach that's kind of, in a way, supporting it, but in a way, keeping it separate. I, I kind of like where it's at with him. I do. Yeah, I I like the discipline. Yeah, I like it. I I, I hope uh, I hope DJ 
breaks out this year. I I I I hope for him that he he does good this year. I you know what, Mark? I don't think there are any excuses for him except the fact that he's going to have to learn what is it his fourth offense in five seasons or whatever it is. Uh, that's the one thing that's like learning four different languages. So. Yeah, but maybe maybe this will be the right one. I hope maybe so. Maybe it'll be the right fit. I do. I, I sure hope so. Me too, and you know what? I think it might be. I, I think it might be. I think you're going to see a different Daniel Jones this season because you got to love that, that Brian Dable wants him to exceed at, at what he does best. It's not a coach trying to impose his system on the quarterback. It's, okay, let's see what the quarterback can do well, and let's construct a system around it. What do you like? What do you not like? Yep. I yep. love Open that. Him up. That's the way it Open should be. Yep. Yep. All right, Danielle, great talking to you. I yeah. hope to see you in the Giants game this year. I, I'll be at a few. I definitely. I'm going to be, though, uh, week one. I'm, I got invited by the Jets Lounge to go to Jets Ravens. So I will be at Jets ah, Ravens week boo. one. <laughs> I, got invited. I, I couldn't turn it down. <laughs> but, uh, of course, I hope you follow me on social media because anytime I go out to things, I always post it. So you'll know uh, to find me there. All right. I'll see you there, hon. All right. Thanks, Mark, for the call. Have a great night. Bye. <laughs> yeah, I met Mark. <laughs> It was uh, the last game of the season, last season. Freezing cold. There was a big group of us that ended up going and uh, freezing, freezing. And I went to go, uh, I don't even know, to the first concourse there, whether it was going to the bathroom or or getting food or whatever it was. And there was a guy that was photographed all over the the newspapers. He had, I think, a 21 jersey on. And I think they were debating whether or not it was a Tiki Barber jersey at the time. But he had a 21 jersey on, and he had a bag over his head. And this guy, Mark, was the guy standing next to him. He, but the guy in the bag was like, you're Danielle. You're, you're, da- you're coach from the fan. And I was like, yeah. And then so this guy, Mark, stopped, and we took a picture, all three of us together. It's, it's on the internet somewhere. You can find it. Um, but, yeah, that, that's, uh, that's cool. I like that he keeps calling in. I like that. All right, is it time for Shane Spencer? All right, let's do it. So, um, Three-time World Series champion during the dynasty years, the newly minted first-time New York Yankees old-timer, Shane Spencer, joins me, Danielle McCartan, and you next, right here on The Fan. We are joined now by Shane Spencer, World Series champion, New York Yankee, and a first-time Old-Timers Day participant here on The Fan. Shane, I got to ask you, how does it feel to be called an old-timer for the first time ever? Uh, I get called all the time by my young players that I have and teach, so it's it's no big deal. <laughs> when you got the invitation to be part of the ceremony, what was your first thought? Well, I, I've been invited many times, uh, probably the last six, seven years, and I just haven't been able to do it because I was in Korea for four years and then COVID, so this is the first chance I've actually been able to say yes and be able to make it. There's no game this year, but if there were a game, could you still play? I hope not. <laughs> I can, I usually uh, I'll hit a couple times off a tee uh, just to show some basic uh, mechanics through my hitters, but I have no way that I want to play. <laughs> um, are you you're coaching? Yeah, I mean, I after Korea, um, I helped my buddy start a uh, like a travel ball clinic up in Connecticut about twelve years ago. Brian Looney, AAA roommate, and. Uh, He's been doing it for, I guess, about 12 years now. So I've, it gives me leeway to go back and see my kids in California and kind of do what I want to do. So I, I enjoy it. Shane Spencer, newly minted Yankees old timer, joins us on the fan. All right, let's talk some Yankee dynasty years. What is something that you, Shane, wish that people knew about these great Yankees teams that you were on? 
a lot of people don't realize the hard work that goes into it. And, and everybody's a little bit different when you get to that level. I just remember those guys, no matter what it was, whatever their pregame was, postgame, it was business, you know, and like, yeah, it was fun and fun and stuff in the clubhouse and definitely fun while we were playing, but the work that went into it that people don't realize, whether it be video, early work, uh, maybe a little bit of body conditioning, uh, studying video, maybe talking to coaches, all the little stuff, maybe early work, you know, maybe working on some defense or, or base running anything. And, um, a lot of work goes into it. And I, I don't think people really realize they, they see the game, but they don't see the, everything that goes into it. And it's a, it's not an easy life. Yeah. When you make it to the big leagues, obviously the pay now is much better than when I played, but, um, that's just the reward of it, but it's uh, it's just a lot of work. And I don't think that's why a lot of guys don't really miss the playing part, but they just miss the camaraderie like in the clubhouse. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about that too. Like take us into, you know, just a regular ordinary day. You show up, you know, with your, your street clothes on and you walk into the clubhouse and, and what's going on during those years. Yeah. I would, I would, I would, I was usually one of the first ones there. I learned that at an early age, uh, just, if you're there and they see your face the most, you know, you're one of the first people they see, uh, maybe you get a little extra chance to get in there. I mean, obviously that didn't work out for me, but you have to try any, any angle you have, but I would get there usually about, we have stretched probably around four. I'd probably be there about one thirty at the latest. And I would do that every day. And, and just so like I would be there and say, okay, you know what? I feel like hitting today. I'm going to do a little extra hitting. Maybe I needed to, or I'm going to watch some extra video. Sometimes I would just sit in the, in the, the lounge area and watch a movie, you know, just, but if I was there at the same time and I gave myself that opportunity to like, Hey, or maybe one of the hitting coaches was there and wanted to do some hitting or he saw something. So if you gave yourself that time, then, um, you know, you're available and then, you know, just you'd have your practice and then, then you go and relax before why the other teams take a BP and, and that'd be your time just to kind of relax, get some food in you, uh, maybe go over some charts or maybe watch a little more video. It's a little more business than people think. While you're doing all that, you know, what, what are the Derek Jeter's doing? What are the Jorge Posada's doing? The Tino Martinez is all them guys. Exactly the same. They're getting prepared. You know, if it's Posada, you know, that downtime between batting practice at a home game, he's talking to the starting pitcher. They're going over a plan, what they're going to do and how they're going to attack them. Um, you know, Jeter might be taking some extra swings or, you know, I think everybody had their own little thing. And uh, it was you just left everybody alone. You know, you, you go and goof around a little bit and talk to some people. But uh, it wasn't all crazy and stuff like they make on TV. It's uh, <laughs> that, that stuff was afterwards, you know. I, I think of that team and all of the leadership on it. And did the leadership start at Tory and then work its way down or, or where did it initiate or come from? Um, you know, it, it, it differed. You had, you had Tory who was really, really good with the media. I think that's why he was a good fit. I didn't understand that really while I was playing. Cause I'm not saying we had the best relationship, but just, we just didn't have that conversation very often. Mm-hmm. And, but when he spoke, you know, everybody paid attention. I would say in the clubhouse, though, you, you know, David Cohn pretty much was, hey, if he was speaking, then, you know, everybody's paying attention. He, he kind of ran the clubhouse. And um, but for the most part, you know, when you have guys like Paul Neal and Tim Raines and 
all, all these guys and Pettit and Clemens, you know, they're really, you know, they're about winning and you don't have to have those conversations with these guys and you just kind of watch, okay, what can I be better at? You know, okay. Can I be better with the media? Can I be better with my pregame workout? You know, so you try to learn as much as you can and sitting the bench as much as I did in the minor leagues and in the big leagues, you got to watch a lot. So I feel like I got to learn a lot. It helps me out with coaching. What, um, and I don't know how closely you're following this Yankees team, but from what you've seen, what characteristics of this 2022 Yankees team do you see in, in the best of your years with the Yankees? Well, they definitely have more power. That's for sure. And I know the ball is carrying more and you can, we can get into that whole thing, but I noticed a few things. Well, the arms are darn good, really good. So they have, you know, they're a solid pitching. They've stayed away from injuries, but I see it for the first time. And I don't watch a lot of the games. I'll watch like highlights. I don't have time to sit there and watch a baseball game anymore, but I do notice that, they seem more together. And and that's what I felt like had been missing for a long time, that they're not as close as like some of the teams we had. And I'm not saying we were all best friends, but we understood what each other had to do and every, whatever you expected to do. And we didn't have to sit there and whine about it or do whatever. And uh, I feel like this team's pretty, pretty tight knit. And I think that's going to go a long ways. Shane Spencer, New York Yankees World Series champion, is with us on the fan. Um, the Yankees just acquired Andrew Benintendi, or have acquired mm-hmm. Andrew Benintendi, and yep. you know, he he's to me a guy that you know puts the bat on the ball. And his spray chart belongs in in the Louvre, in my opinion. So, mm-hmm. could you just talk briefly just about like having these guys in the lineup and what they could do to a lineup like the Yankees, who is so well, let's just say it reliant on the home run. Yes, um, one of my best friends is one of the top scouts for the Yankees, Tom Wilson. And me and him had this conversation, I don't know, two or three weeks ago. And he's been looking at players and, you know, we brought up his name and he said, well, he doesn't think anybody's good, but he had good things to say and he's good with his bat. And I said, yeah, but isn't that the kind of guy they finally need in the playoffs? Yeah. Through right now, let's talk about the playoffs. Somebody that can move the runners, who can run the bases, do all the things right. You know, and I think that part has been kind of missing. You know, you're going to rely on the home run. You're going to get beat all the time because you're facing – if you're facing Houston, you know, you're getting a great staff. You know, you're facing the Mets, you're getting a great staff. Yeah. There's a lot of the, the top teams have great staffs. And to rely on the home run ball while the other teams are moving runners over, it's, uh, you know, playing the game to win. It's, I, I think they're missing that part. And this, this kid can, uh, he can definitely do it. He's got a really good swing, uses the whole field. And I think it's a great pickup. So fans might say that your tear in September of 98 might have been your best Yankee moment. But what do you consider to be your singular best Yankee moment, whether it's on the field or off of it? Number one is, well, people kind of freaks people out a little bit, but uh, we're playing the Padres in 98. I'm from San Diego, grew up a Padre Charger fan, Mm -hmm. and I'm playing against my idol, Tony Gwynn. And I'm playing game three in left field at Qualcomm. And Tony Gwynn lined out to me for the second out in the first inning. And I had to throw the ball back in. And all I wanted to do is put it in my pocket. And I'm <laughs> like, man, I made it to the World Series. I made it to the big leagues. I made it to the World Series. I'm playing the Padres against Tony Gwynn. And I just caught a ball from him. I mean, I pretty much peaked right there. <laughs> so that was, I'm like, where do you go from there? I, I, and then we win. So it's, uh, it, yeah, I was like, okay. It seemed like I took a year off the next year because I was lost. Like, okay, what do I do? So 
um, yeah, that was my highlight. And then, and then, of course, my first start at Yankee Stadium was a really good one with my mom in town and um, had a really good game. But to me, the, the Tony Gwynn highlight was uh, definitely my favorite. You know, I got chills as you were saying that. That's so cool, man. Um, so what have, what are each of your World Series rings represent to you, each individually? Well, 98 is definitely the most special. Um, 99 was, you know, it was a really rough year for me. Uh, I kind of complained. I was splitting time with a lot of guys in left field and, you know, thought I deserved to play but didn't play. So, I, you know, I – I let that affect me too much, you know, and I think that's part of the growing pains. Yeah. Um, and in 2001, I really hurt because I finally earned the starting job. I was playing really good, and I, I, I tore my ACL against the Mets, and then they ended up playing the Mets in the World Series. So it was um, definitely a bittersweet one for me. So 98 would be the best, mm-hmm. and I wish I could have been there for – the whole season in 2001 or 2000 because I was getting ready to, to really do some good things. In terms of the hardware, do you have two or three rings? I have three. So what is it like to win in New York City? Well, I don't know. I haven't won anywhere else. <laughs> 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 that's, that's one way you got to look at it. I tell people this, and no offense to, to Cleveland. I went to Cleveland after when they brought Matsui in, and um, you're used to having 100, you know, 100 media in the clubhouse every day when you go to Cleveland and they just got rid of all their veterans, all their stars and they were going young and you have like four people in there after every game. So it was really quiet and it was, it was weird. It, I'm like, man, what do, what do you do? Cause usually you don't leave for like an hour afterwards because there's so many people, but in Cleveland, we kind of just had to go. We're talking with Shane Spencer, left fielder for the championship Yankees, the dynasty Yankees. Uh, Shane, I, I got to ask your on-field perspective of that Derek Jeter flip play was what? <laughs> well, there's a couple, there's a couple stories to this, you know, and I'm not going to call anybody out or anything, but the ball was hit and Oakland is a really fast field. And there's also a kick out past the bullpens. So you got to be really careful. It doesn't kick out and you slip. And then all of a sudden it's a triple. And if it goes all the way to the wall, then you got a chance for the guy to score from first. Well, I cut it off before the wall and I threw it to where I would normally throw the ball. And um, all of a sudden I saw the cutoff member out pretty far. I didn't even see the play. I, I honestly, I didn't know what happened because I was like, what the heck? Where's my cutoff guys? So the story goes, I, and I come in a dugout and I even asked, I said, who flipped that? And they said, Jeter. I said, what? So the whole practice thing, we never did. He got in, integrated into it later. Like, okay, just in case this happens. But um, Tino told me that, you know, he thought O'Neill was out. The game was going so fast. There was only like three hits in the game. Uh, Zito was dealing. Uh, Messina was dealing. And he thought O'Neill was out there. And I actually thought I was going to go to the wall. So he had told me that afterwards. And I said, well, it is it is what it is. I mean, it was an incredible play. Jeter being smart like he is started floating over. I think he saw that they were going out maybe a little far. Mm-hmm. And he just started floating over. And the debate is whether the ball make it or would have made it not. I've heard multiple stories. I've seen the videos. But the play, the fact is, I got an overthrow. He got an SB. So as simple as that. So what do you think? Would it have gone through or and and out? I mean, I have video. It would have been, it would have been, it would have been the same play. It would have been bang bang. So 
I just, I was, the only thing I'm upset about is that when Jeter got the SB, I couldn't be there to overthrow him. So I was kind of messed up. <laughs> when you got back to the dugout, did you, did you say anything to him or did you say anything? No, to I didn't even know it was him. And I think Clay Bellinger is the one that told me, I said, who, what happened? <laughs> and he goes, Oh, Jeter flipped it over there. I'm like, what? What? And I didn't understand. I'm like, okay, well, okay. Well, he's out. So it was a trip, but you know, it's on, it's on TV all the time. And mm-hmm. you know, I get, Oh, you're the one that overthrew him. Oh yeah. So you miss a cutoff once in your life and then you're, you're going to be famous for that. So. <laughs> That's so funny. See, always hit the cut. <laughs> that Derek Jeter documentary. Uh, have you been keeping up with it? Uh, you know what? I haven't got a chance to see. I want to see the whole thing through when it when it when it's done or if it's done. Um, I saw like ten minutes of it one night, but I'll I'll end up watching it all the way through at one time. When you click through, and we're talking with Shane Spencer here on the fan, Shane, when you click through the the Rolodex in your mind of Derek Jeter, is there anything that you definitely hope that they include in this? Oh, you know what? I'd have to watch it first to have an opinion on it. The part I saw was like through the minor league part and the 56 errors in Greensboro. Uh, that we, I think we also had like 40 errors at third and 40 errors at second. The field wasn't very good as old War, War Memorial. And uh, I know because me and the other outfielders were pretty busy. So, and he got shortstop of the year for making 56 errors. So you, I think everybody knew he was going to be good, but uh, we knew it from day one. I and mean, you could see it. You could see his work ethic, the personality, you know, the what he gets from his mom and dad who are just amazing people. Mm-hmm. It's um, you could just see, it, and it just carried on through. And then a couple of months into our Florida state league year, and I guess it was 94, he just went on a tear and then they called the double A and he did better in double A. They went to triple A and did better in triple A. Like it just clicked for him. And then, you know, he just got better and better at, at short too. So, you know, you put all those things together and, you know, obviously one of their, one of the best first round picks they've ever had. The last season of your professional career with the Mets, and we're talking with Shane Spencer on the fan, correct me if I'm wrong, but you walk in into the clubhouse and, and you see it's Mike Piazza, David Wright, Tom Glavin. What was that like? Al Leiter, Franco, yeah, we had Cliff Floyd and, and uh, Mike Cameron, and then a bunch of young guys. Um, it was really cool. And I remember we had a meeting with the veterans, and I, I, even though I was a younger one considered the veteran, but they specifically asked me, or Hal did, what was different? What was different? What was your guys' approach with the Yankees? And I'm sitting here with Tom Glavin. I mean, they, they win the pennant every year, Al Leiter's all-star, and Piazza's an all-star, and – <laughs> and uh, I said, you know what? I said, I'm not trying to be cocky because we weren't at all. I said, we feel like we're going to win every game. And I said, now we had a little guy in the bullpen. If we had a lead, that kind of helped. <laughs> so <laughs> Mariano was special. So it's, uh, I just felt like if we were within two runs after seven innings, I we still thought we were going to win. And that was just approach every day. And it's not like we blew out people. It just, that was the approach. And if we got a lead, our bullpen Closing it up there was was pretty sick. So it, it was it was special. What are some similarities between that Mets clubhouse and your Yankee dynasty year clubhouse? I actually loved that clubhouse with the Mets. I really did. Um, a lot of knowledge in there. I used to pick the brain of Leiter and Glavin all the time. That's where I feel like you get a lot of your information. You get from from really good pitchers, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and it was interesting to see some of the things they would say, and and you try to learn from that yourself. That year was a little different. You know, you have, we had a lot of young players and a lot of older players. So there wasn't really in the in-between phase, you know, even, even like me and Cliff Floyd and, and Cameron were, 
you know, getting t- towards the end a little bit there. So the clubhouse is kind of separated compared to what the Yankees were, which was an older group. Mm-hmm. I mean, even me and Jeter and Posada are the young ones and Pettit, we're all pretty close to the same, but we're also 25, 26, 27, all right around there. So it wasn't like we had 21, 22 year olds in there. We're talking with Shane Spencer on the fan. Shane, will there be a Subway World Series this year? Well, I think it'd be pretty cool. I mean, I'm a, I'm not going to say either way, but uh, I played for Buck. I had known Buck. I love Buck. I loved playing for Buck. And I, I know I know Booney. You know, we played against each other. We played against each other in the fall league. We have mutual friends. It, you know, I'm not going to go and say anything, but I think it would be great. I think the rest of the country would hate it. I know that for a fact because I'm from the West Coast. It, it should be interesting. You know, you got your – you know, you got your top three, four teams, five maybe, and then you got a couple outsiders, uh, you know, like the Milwaukee's or somewhere in the American Central. If they have the pitching, can surprise somebody. So it's um, it's going to be fun. But the uh, Subway Series this year would, uh, would be pretty special, especially if DeGrom's healthy and you have Scherzer healthy. Um, if they could get consistency out of maybe a three and a four, it, they'd be tough. Yeah, that rotation. As soon as they got Scherzer, I was like, this, I would not want to face this rotation in a short no, series. No, the Grom, he doesn't look like he's fun to hit off. A lot of these guys don't look like they're fun to hit off. The Holmes guy, I'm like, I looked at him throwing 99 sinkers. I'm like, no, thank you. <laughs> um. All right. Well, Shane, we met, I don't know if you remember, we met years ago at a Mint Pros Stadium Suite event at Yankee Stadium. Do you have any plans to meet the fans there again this year, maybe next year? Oh, yeah. I, I do events quite a bit. I'll be there, I think, Sunday, too. You know, I work up in Connecticut right now, so they just call me if they, you know, probably if they don't get a big name. They oh, well, I, let's call him. So I, I'm like the fill-in guy, which is great for me. I, it's great. So I know. Didn't we do an interview there for? We did. Yeah, it was years ago, four or five years ago, I think. Yeah, at least. No, I think it was might have been longer than that. Well, Shane, thanks so much for joining me again here on The Fan. I appreciate it. Thank you. Oh, I appreciate it. Carton before midnight here on the Fan WFAN New York City. I'm Danielle McCartan with you for the final segment here of the show. You give me a call, give Brian a call, 877-337-6666. Mike Flegelman comes your way at 2 a.m. promptly. He is here. We have talked. So uh you know, Jacob deGrom uh ha- obviously is with the team now. His anticipated return um is 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 imminent. So kind of, I don't know, thinking ahead the other day, I, I asked around City Field about the impact of a degrominator return atop this Mets rotation and thoughts from me, of course, and a couple uh, a couple Mets right now. Uh, let's go with uh, let's go with Buck Showalter, the manager first. DeGrom coming back. I won't be back here before. He's going to beat me back. What is he? I promise. <laughs> him, uh, what, having him back, how does he immediately level up the team? Why? You know, he only pitches every fifth or sixth day, and you know, I have never really counted on it, but I just, I'm hoping it's a win and not if. But, you know, obviously he's a great pitcher, and if we can get him back, and it would enhance our chances, but I think it's a mistake to spend a lot of time you know, they know to knock on one door, said, okay, he's ready to go, he's pitching this day, then I'm in. Until that point, I don't think it gets in the way of a lot of, uh, of our thinking, just to think, assume anything. We don't assume anything. You know, putting your arm over your head and jerking it down violently 100 times every fifth day, is it's going to have some ups and downs. 
Yeah, and of course, and but you know that was before there was an actual target date, and the target date is pretty much exactly in line with what I predicted a month ago. It's going to be two weeks after the All Star break, just about, and he, Jacob Degrom, is set to return to the Mets rotation, making his first start of the season Tuesday. At the Nationals. So forget getting some big-name starter at the deadline. If I were the Mets, I would be focusing on getting myself a big bat. And uh, before we even go farther into that, I've got uh, Pete Alonso on on DeGrom's return. I won't be back before DeGrom comes back. So when he does come back, what kind of boost does that give for this team? I mean, having Jake uh, is, is going to be awesome for us. I mean, he's, he's one of the best in the world and one of the best to ever do it. So obviously having a guy like that um, healthy is, is going to be huge for us, especially coming down the stretch. And, of course, Pete Alonzo. And then uh, we've got Brandon Nimmo and Todd Frazier. You, you want to do Nimmo now? All right, go ahead, Nimmo. What does he do specifically for this team? How you know, does he level you up? Well, just you add an ace to the staff. And, you know, Max is already, you know, such an incredible leader and, and ace of the staff. But you add someone that, you know, has um, incredible accolades and has, you know, been revered as one of the best pitchers in the major leagues, if not the best for, you know, last three years when he's healthy. And so um, you're adding pretty much the best pitcher in the game at, to your to your staff. And and when you do that, um, it elevates your team to a whole nother level. Obviously. I mean, obviously, if you're a Met fan, you have to be, you have to be excited about his return. And, you know, Todd Frazier was also hanging out on the field. I interviewed Todd a long, a long time ago for my homegrown Olympian segment here on The Fan. Um, and, and, and he then said everything. Todd Frazier summed it up and said everything that a Mets fan would want to hear, here it is. DeGrom, from a player perspective, having him back on the field every fifth day taking the ball, what does that do for a confidence level in that club? Oh, it makes at ease. All you got to do is get two runs, yeah. and they can do that in their sleep. So uh, having him come back, and he's uh, 100%, you know, and with the playoffs coming up soon too, I mean, to have him at full peak and capacity, it's going to be a really exciting Mets team. Oh, yeah. And buckle up. It is time. 877-337-6666 for the Mets. Um, forget about a starting pitcher, although you can never have enough pitching. I understand. I get it. But you want to have, if you're the Mets, if you're targeting some sort of pitching uh, improvement, it's got to be in the bullpen. And I know Trevor May is probably going to come back the, sometime this week. I get it. Probably the end of the week, more likely. I think uh, I think they want to have him go two outings in a row is what I heard. I'm not sure about that. But uh, his return is imminent. Um, but to me, you got to go big bat. You have to. You have to go big bat if you're a Met, uh, you know, Met GM. I, I like Wilson Contreras is probably my number one target. It has been for months. As long as I've been asking for Ben Intendi for the Yankees, I've been asking for Wilson Contreras for the Mets pretty much. I think it was in that same show, uh, actually. And, um, you know, I just think the Mets don't get enough offensive production out of out of their catcher's position. With McCann and Tomas Nito, definitely. Uh, so I think Wilson Contreras kind of fills two voids there, catching and also the big bat aspect of it. But if it's not Wilson Contreras, and I, by the way, I would package him, ask for a package with him and David Robertson. That would be my answer there. But if it's not, you got to really look at J.D. Martinez. Uh, he's got the postseason experience, you know, all that. However, in between the two of them, I mean, so maybe I'm being a little confusing here, but my hierarchy would be Wilson Contreras, my number one target if I were the Mets. Then I would do Josh Bell, and I like him over J.D. Martinez is because his strikeout percentile is 
leaps and bounds better, and his chase rate percentile is also much better than that of J.D. Martinez. So what would you like? Yankee fans, you got Benintendi. You missed out on Castillo, which I think ultimately in the long run is a good thing, considering you'd have to give up Anthony Volpe to get him. And I don't think that's a smart move. So for the Yankees, conversely, and then we'll get to your calls to close it out here tonight. If you're the Yankees, I mean, you got to cross off Castillo off the list, obviously. And from there, the point of attack, I like Johnny Cueto and I like Shane Bieber, but those two teams are pretty much still in the thick of things. So they're not going to be sellers, the White Sox and, and the Guardians. So I'm not as high on Frankie Montas as everybody is. I like Jose Quintana. Uh, he's going to be cheaper because this contract is uh, over up sooner, I guess, because Quintana is going to be a, a free agent in 2023, Montas 2024. And I just love that the fielding independent pitching number on Quintana is just, I mean, it's almost off the charts, off the charts good. And besides the fact that, you know, we addressed this how long ago, you and I, how long ago that that, that these Yankees starting pitchers, you know, there's concerns about their innings limits, Tyone and Montgomery and Severino, of course, and, and Nestor Cortez. This is the most he's ever pitched ever in a single season, ever. All those concerns come with Frankie Montas for me, too. I mean, he's got 105 innings pitched already logged this season, and I'm just rounding up. So it's it's really 104 and two-thirds, but um, 177 he averages per season. He's already at 105. Let's round up. So uh, there's concerns uh, there for me. And, and whereas Quintana, he, he averages 195 over a longer sample size, and he's only at 103. So uh, I think there's a little bit more durability there as well. Um, Steve uh, in Daytona Beach is up next at 877-337-6666. Hey, Steve, you're up on the fan. Good morning. Good morning. So I'm celebrating my 50th birthday. Oh, I don't happy birthday. On, but I do tonight. Thank you. <laughs> so, happy birthday. Thank you very much. Uh, so I have for you um, what I believe should be the, the home run call John Sterling offers when uh, Andrew Benintendi hits the very occasional home run. Okay, you got one for me? Yes. Go ahead. You're going to keep it clean. Wait, wait, Steve, you're keeping it clean, right? What? You're going to keep this clean, right? Oh, absolutely. Okay, all right, go ahead. Start it over. Go ahead. Three, two, one. It's It's high. It's far. It's gone. It's a home run. It's not his modus operandi, but there went Andrew Benintendi. Huh. I kind of like that because I kind of like it too. I got to be honest. Yeah. Okay. Well, you made it, of course. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? It's like because he's not typically a home run hitter, so I, I like that. I got it. Rhymes. It rhymes well. Oh, There's I... nothing rhymes with Ben Intendi. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? I, I think we got to send this to John. Please do. I would. It would. It would be a thrill. One of the thrills of my life. Oh. Wow. I listen to him all the time. I'm legally blind, so I listen to all the games on the radio. Uh huh. And you kind of channeled uh, uh, John in, in, in it, too. You kind of sounded like him for, for a hot second there. I tried. I'm only 50. I'm about half his age. <laughs> no, I mean, like you got the, the correct intonation and everything is what right, I mean. Right, 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 yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm Steve, a good listener. Hey, let's, 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 see if, let's see what happens. All right, fantastic. <laughs> Steve, I love it. Uh, Th- you want thanks my for being info a good in sport. case you want to thank me? <laughs> Steve in Daytona Beach. Steve in Daytona Beach. That's it. 
All right, Stevie Meatballs on Twitter. Oh, Stevie Meatballs. <laughs> I love it, Steve. Thanks for being That's a good sport. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you. Stevie Meatballs on Twitter. Go ahead and give him a follow. Uh, you know what? It's it's not. It wasn't bad. Uh, you know, it wasn't bad because is not as I forget the word. Uh, but he he's not a home run hitter. So when it does go out, it's not the objective. I, I get it. I, I get it. And it rhymes. So that's a that's a help. <laughs> oh man. If you want to get a get aboard in the final closing minutes here, eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. A lot to do about the subway series as well around these parts. Man, oh man! Of course, those games mattered. Of course, they were not spring training games. There were things to take away from both of those teams. It's it's insulting to say otherwise. That those that they weren't tr- the Yankees weren't trying to win the game. Ha, that is just so. Oh my god! That's like, you know what? I I'll be honest. I, I'm a sore loser. And when my brother was beating me in video games when we were little, I used to say, "Well, you know what? I wasn't even All trying right, well, to beat you anyway. I wasn't even trying. Come on." I would just then uh, I'll, I'll admit it. I would turn the video game off and. Uh, you know, just, um, you know, be a real big sore loser about it. Board games, too. Don't ever play Monopoly with me because I cheat at that, too. I'm always the banker. I slip the $500 underneath the board, and when no one's looking, I pull them out. Okay? So, you know, I just hate to lose. But I'm not going to sit here and say that those games didn't matter to the Yankees. I'm not going to sit here and say that they were spring training games. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's takeaways from both teams. The Yankees, 0 for 15 with runners in scoring position in that series. That is a problem for the postseason. (laughs) Going up against Scherzer and not doing well again. Add it to the list. Castillo, any of the the Astros starters, uh, any of the Astros pitchers for that matter, they got no hit at Yankee Stadium. Now Scherzer, add it to the list. And for the Mets, you swept a two-game series against, at the time, the team with the best record in all of baseball. And he did it by wearing down the pitchers. It, uh, Domingo Herman, he's got a lot of rebounding to do. But, I mean, Montgomery, what is he, your number two, your number three starter at the moment? So there's a lot to like if you're a Met fan as well coming out of that series. A lot. A lot to like. Scherzer shutting down the Yankees lineup. The, the prolific Yankee lineup. Prolific. I mean, and, and we didn't even talk about Judge tonight. I mean, what he has been doing, I mean, literally, historic. Aaron Judge has been doing historic things. Historic. I mean, I want to be there. I told my dad this today. I want to be there with a press credential the night that he breaks the Yankees' single-season home run record. I want to be there. I mean, I want to feel part of it. And and like I did at, at City Field when I was pulling up, and there were people grilling at 2 o'clock on a Tuesday. This matters to people, as it should. Because if the season ended today, you're looking at two of the best four teams in the league right here in New York. A true litmus test for both the Mets and the Yankees. The first time that both of them faced off against each other in first place in their respective divisions, of course. It meant a lot. And to sit and say that it didn't, I mean, that's just, I mean, come on. 
come on. And yes, we got the, why is Joey Gallo still on the team phone calls? Yep, we got them too. We'll have to wait and see. You know, moves to be made at the deadline. I also don't think that Juan Soto will be moved. Uh, I cited the fact that the Nationals are for sale. Why would you sell off your best player? That's that's a big buy-in for for a new prospective owner, right? Either you want the superstar on your team or you want to be able to have control and final say over where the superstar goes and, more importantly, the package that you get back for him, right? You want to start carte blanche. What's that that Latin phrase where uh, it's like uh, tabula rosa? It's Latin, and it means start from scratch, basically. That's what you want to do if you're a brand-new owner coming in to D.C. and taking over that Nationals team. That's what I would want to do, you know? So, ultimately, no, I don't think Soto is going to be traded. No, I don't think Otani is going to be moved either. Um, it's, I think it's going to be sort of an underwhelming, uh, you know, trade deadline. Let's go Shea in Brooklyn real quick there, Shea. Go ahead. Shea. Stadium. All right. Shea, man, I'm sorry. Sorry it didn't work out for you tonight. You had a good point there. I don't know, Brian, what are we going to do? Nothing. All right, well, with that, there's the closing music. (laughs) Thanks to all the callers. Could not have done this without you here tonight. I love coming here and talking with you. And if you missed any portion, any portion of tonight's show, you go ahead and that that free Odyssey app, go ahead on the Rewind feature and select the start of the show, which was 10 p.m. Connor Green, Brian McCann behind the glass tonight, both brought their A-games And Jack Stern, who's sitting right here to my left on the updates. Fantastic time. My first time with you, Jack. And I will see you all next time. In the meantime, you'll hit my social media channels at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N on Twitter, on Instagram, and then again on Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan. We'll keep the conversation going through the trade deadline and beyond. Maybe we can.